The Chauvin trial up in Minneapolis is tainted. Two jurors had to be removed because the city moved to settle with the George Floyd family for a record sum of $27 million. They had to bring in all the jurors, they had to ask them all questions about, did you hear anything about a civil suit? And a couple people were like, $27 million ain't no joke. The city basically admitted fault in this, uh, in this scenario. These two jurors got removed. There's, my understanding is not going to be a delay. The defense wants a delay, but who's going to assume this guy's going to get a fair trial at this point? Now, part of this settlement was $500,000. It's going to the community currently occupied by extremists at 38th in Chicago. They're calling it an, an autonomous zone because activists have, have erected this giant Black Lives Matter communist fist. They've put up barricades around the area. And residents recently penned an op-ed with the Star Tribune, and it is horrifying. No, it's not funny. It's, it's, it's absolutely horrifying. The people who live here are writing about how cops don't come. A 30-year-old volunteer was shot and killed. On multiple nights, 30 gunshots ringing out children running and hiding. Bullets riddling people's homes and garages. This may be, we, we've talked about autonomous zones. We've talked about Antifa and these extremists. This one's apparently been going on for like nine months. And it's being ignored by basically everybody. And I don't necessarily know why. Now with the Chauvin trial happening, it's starting to get some attention. And so I read this op-ed. They said revolution by day, de-evolution by night. It's actually rather horrifying what they write about. Some, some, some people there got into an argument about a parking space. So some random person just opens fire into one of the vehicles. Apparently this has been going on all in the matter of like one week. There's probably hundreds of gunshots that have rung out. People running and hiding. People almost getting hit in their own homes. That's what's happening right now in Minneapolis. And why? Well, because extremists have taken over the area, because cops can't get in, because cops don't want to get in, because cops have been fired, and the city defunded the police. Now they got to spend millions to bring these, these, these officers back. It is, it's, it's a, um, I guess a, a portent of what's to come. If you defund your police and you allow these people to take over, you can actually see what the locals are saying. So we're going to get into all that. And uh, we are joined today by the one and only Jack Murphy. What's up, Tim, Ian, Lydia? Good to be back every other Wednesday. Jack Murphy, I'm here. I'm excited. Let's do it. Glad you're here, Jack. I'm so happy to be I here. I like the shirt that says Rogue. It's the only brand I'll rep besides my own. Oh, that's hot. Hey, guys, what's up? Ian Crossland in the house. Obviously, you can go to iancrossland.net if you want a little more of that. Ian, Ian you're holding something. You're right, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was his grandma blanket. This yeah. is one of two colors of our new I Am a Gorilla Diamond Hands t-shirt, although I, I hear it's a misprint. Yeah, that, it, that one was, I guess, printed too dark. Came out a little dark. Here, here's the other one. Yeah, they, Teespring hit me up, or they're just called Spring now, and they were like, yeah, we kind of you know, didn't do this right. We're going to send you some, some corrected ones. So you can't see his hands. But, but, so, uh, but so you know what we could do? We could give these away. They're, yeah. they're not nearly as shocking and offensive as the other misprint that no. happened. But uh, we can we can give these so give these away. So we'll probably we'll figure something else out with that. Maybe just randomly sent to uh, members at timcast.com. We'll pull a bunch of random emails and then send an email saying you know we we're going to send you a free shirt because uh, we have thirty of them. There's fifteen men's and fifteen women's, and uh, it's it's the diamond hands gorilla shirt where basically we have that meme about I'm a gorilla because of you know Alex Jones. This gorilla is wearing a suit and tie, holding wads of cash with sunglasses on while he's smoking a cigar because this guy knew what it meant to hold onto his GameStop stocks. And uh, once the price skyrocketed, then he cashed out and got rich. Those tendies have uh, done well for him. Looks like a spliff in his mouth. It's supposed to be a cigar. Don't say that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Just saying it looks like one. So uh, go to TimCast.com, uh, shop. You can get your own Diamond Hands Gorilla t-shirt. We also got it pinned in the chat. 
and that's uh, always greatly appreciated. And uh, and become a member at TimCast.com because we'll have you know exclusive members only content as we usually do. Nice material, by the way. Yeah, the shirts are really nice. Yeah, huh? I like this. Place. We, we the, the one thing we hear from everybody is they're like you know if like there were a series of misprints that went out, but they really love the quality of the shirt. High quality product. Yeah, high quality. Hanes. And that's the company. Apparently, there's like a biodegradable, like uh, uh, eco-friendly one. Oh, Oh, only the best from spring. Cotton, you know, when they make the the misprint. But anyway, anyway, we have a sorry about your lids. Pressing all the buttons. Yeah, if the cameras are moving, I am here pushing buttons. Someone's got to push the buttons. Hello, button pusher. Hello. You know, look, we're having we're having a lot of fun. We're having a laugh. Uh, We are. And Jack's enjoying a, a nice a nice beverage. I am. I'm drinking a beer. Uh, since that went so well last time, <laughs> I'm You're start, gonna shout out. I'm the starting secret. off with this. Uh, it was a, a local Harper's Ferry beer. Uh, I don't know anything about it, but I'm drinking it and it tastes very good. They're so amazing. You. Yo, can Delicious. I just? We're basically doxing ourselves by giving them a shout out, but they Man. deserve it. Man, they are so Harper's so Ferry, Harper's so Ferry, yeah. California. Uh huh. Yep. Uh huh. Yes. <laughs> the best Missouri. California. I drive. Microbrew. I drive from DC to California every other Wednesday. It's worth it. <laughs> it's worth it's, it. Is there a Harper's Ferry in California? So somebody, a, somebody somewhere is Googling. Well, the brewery's not right really now. the brewery's not really in Harper's Ferry, but uh, we 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 went up there and we grabbed a bunch of their beers, and uh, we try to make it up there every so often, and uh, we decided to buy a whole bunch. And I'm not a big beer drinker, but it's good stuff. It is good stuff. It's six point two lager, so I'm feeling it. Is that good? That's good. Oh wow! It's like a hundred cans, I think. Right? I think we, I bought saw, a, we bought a ridiculous. That would be that would be ninety eight now. Oh, oh, but, but check it out. Because when we have people how many over, bottles of beer on the wall? When we have when we have guests and they're like, <laughs> "I would like a beer," what are we going to do? Be like, "We have Bud Light." No offense to Budweiser, you know. No, that but, beer is amazing. Yes. And but if you'd want, like to send want. over a pallet and or sponsor the show, we'd be entirely open. <laughs> no, to that. no, no, no. <laughs> But it's cool to be like, you're only going to get this beer here while you're in town unless you go to Harper's Ferry, but uh, that's what we got. It's so, like a grapefruit blend, isn't it? This this beer is is high-powered clips in a can. This is how I'm seeing it. So mm. let's go for it, guys. Come on. Well, so the reason I wanted to kind of start off a little slow <laughs> and kind of just be silly and have fun and talk about beer and stuff, because this, mm. this subject's going to get dark. Dude, the Chauvin it's, thing is crazy. I don't know how well, this guy can right, get a right. fair trial. But we're going to get into it. Thank you. And before we do, go to TimCast.com, become a member. We had we had Lieutenant Colonel Alan West on the show yesterday. That dude is is incredible. I I was uh, so honored and humbled that he wanted to come on the show and, and talk about uh you know his the issues that that are relevant to him and his career and, and military service. So I was incredibly uh, honored, and I guess everyone really loved uh, him being on the show. Afterwards, we did an exclusive segment with him where he talked about critical race theory, wokeness, how it's affecting politics, and of course, he's no fan. It was a really interesting conversation. I have to admit, I probably a lot of opinions you've heard from a lot of people, but it's 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 interesting to hear it from you know a veteran and uh, of both political space as well as the military. So go to TimCast.com, become a member. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe if you really do like this show. Leave us a good review on iTunes, Spotify. If you haven't already checked that out, you can you can get it there. Now we're gonna get dark, and that's why I was like, let's 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 go slow a little bit with this one because when I saw this op-ed, this is from March fifteenth, Star Tribune. Near George Floyd Square, revolution by day, de-evolution by night. I saw this and I'm like, oh, this will be interesting. You know, they're, they're going to talk about, you know, Antifa. I actually assumed they were going to be, I thought it was going to be positive. I thought they were going to be like, these activists have come and they've helped us and they've brought all this goodness and, and organization. And then I just got a couple paragraphs in and it just got so incredibly dark. I'm scared for these people, man. I'm scared for what's going on. And it's, it's, it's horrifying to me that. You know, they, they have the like barricade saying no way, no, no, as in like mentally no justice. And I'm willing to bet there are a lot of well-to-do liberal types. They hear about this stuff, these autonomous zones, and they're like, good for the activists. They don't care about the locals. They don't care about what they're saying, and they will do nothing to help these people. 
this story, I'm not going to read through every little bit of it, but uh, I'll read a little bit right now to give you an introduction to what's going on. They say, as neighbors of 38th Street and Chicago Avenue, also known as George Floyd Square or the Autonomous Zone, we are witnessing a revolution by day and a devolution by night. Prayer gatherings canceled, rallies canceled, visitors arriving with flowers in hand only to retreat to their cars when greeted by the sound of gunshots, neighbors ducking for cover behind our houses, children in tow. The spiritual health of our community, the feeling of being connected to something larger than ourselves is collapsing. Here's an account of some of the events of the past 10 days on one block adjacent to George Floyd Square, where police are met by hostile groups when responding to our repeated 911 calls. March 6, 5.45 p.m. A 30-year-old volunteer is killed in the zone by gunshot. People in the zone are seen picking up shell casings and throwing them into city garbage, loading the gunshot victim into a car to drive him to the hospital. 8.20 p.m. Neighbors call 911 again as multiple shots ring out. Children, listen. March 7th, six garages along our alley are hit by gunfire. One with its owner inside, a car crashes through a fence into a family's backyard. An 18-month-old had been playing by the fence minutes earlier. 5 p.m., 30 shots hit cars and windows and siding of at least one house, narrowly missing residents watching TV. Parents and children out biking and walking on a sunny day duck behind houses. Children watch bullets kicking up dust in the street. A zone leader visits a bullet-riddled house to comfort the family, while others from the zone are observed picking up shell casings behind her. March 8th, 2.30 p.m., multiple shots fired. A man is photographed perched atop cup foods with an assault rifle on a tripod. Children cry. Zone medics are offered to visit neighbors and provide mental health support to those being traumatized. 9.50 p.m., 30 shots ring out. A person complains to a neighbor that the neighbor is parked too close to the person's car. A zone occupant, with no connection to the other parties, fires multiple shots into the neighbor's car and house. The neighbor, a military veteran, is in the driver's seat and recognizes an assault rifle with a 30-round clip. The shooter walks back into the zone. Four police squad squads caravan through and meet the neighbor nearby. 10.16 p.m. A second 911 call provides a description of the shooter, who remains in the area appearing to wait for some target. Police have just received a call about a teen and adult shot two miles away. Resources exhausted. The police do not respond to our call. The shooter in the zone walks away. 10.45 p.m., third 911 call of the night. As some neighbors are picking up shell casings, people near the first statue in the zone repeatedly yell, get the F out of here. Then a gun is fired from near the first statue. Four men come out of the zone to tell neighbors they weren't shooting at you. The neighbors ask if they are zone security and are told no, but one man reports he has his gun. Neighbors ask how to protect themselves and are told the best thing to do is fill the street corners with garbage containers to block off our streets. There's more. There's more. I'm not going to read through literally everything. They just talk about 9.15 p.m., March 12th, 30 shots from inside the zone. I'll point out a few things I think need to be corrected. I do not believe this. Uh, they, they mention a person, you know, witness uh, recognizes a, a third an assault rifle with a 30 round clip. I do not believe there was someone there with like a clip fed M1 Garand that was modified for full auto or something like that. I think Star Tribune, the, the people who live in this neighborhood don't know much about guns. And what they're actually saying is that someone had a rifle of some sort with a 30 round magazine. I if, if it is true, however, that they do understand the context of assault rifle, meaning select fire rifle. What they're telling us is that somebody was perched atop a building in this area with a fully automatic rifle 
on a tripod. Now, I really doubt it was full auto. This person probably was just thinking they were going to protect the neighborhood and they mounted a AR-15 of some sort, a rifle, semi-automatic on a tripod with a 30 round magazine. I don't know why they would need to do that unless the police have been defunded. Extremists have taken over the area and residents are now cowering in fear. And you know, what's interesting. They say medics are being provided for those who are being traumatized. You know, typically when we hear about these Antifa zones and trauma, we usually fan it off like a bunch of weak, pathetic college kids who think hearing a fart is going to make you, is going to traumatize you. Or that journalist who fired an AR-15, probably a 5.56, and then got PTSD from doing it. No, I think these families are absolutely going to be suffering PTSD because it sounds like they're in a war zone. Cars crashing through a fence, 30 rounds ringing out at at some point, a 30-year-old being shot and killed. We heard about that story when it happened. The police tried to come and render aid. They were barred. And then what happens in these autonomous zones, the extremists pick up the, the evidence, the shell casings, and they destroy all the evidence. When when the security in the, I believe it was the Chaz, executed those kids for 10 minutes, were just unloading round after round, hundreds of rounds they reported. What did they do afterwards? Well, the police couldn't get in, so they stripped the vehicle of evidence so that nobody would knew, know who did it and what they did. Now it's been happening in Minneapolis, all while we have this trial going on. I don't know how. You have a, I can't believe they're having this trial for Chauvin in Minneapolis right now. They need to move him to Bumpkinville, somewhere far away from all of this stuff, all of the press, all of the gunshots, all of the settlement, and then just let people in different community hear this because there's no way this guy's getting a fair trial. This is, this is where we're at, man. I think that's the point, right? Like, why did they overcharge him in the first place? Why did they, why was the settlement number public? Aren't settlements usually private? Isn't that the whole point a lot of times is we're going to settle this and not talk about the terms? I guess it's the city, so maybe they have to reveal it. But it seems to me if you're going to settle and put that statement of that number out there, what you're basically saying is we think we're guilty and, you know, hang Why the settle guy. it now? Why did they settle now? It, it was oh, no, sabotaging the trial. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, they sabotage. Everything is about sabotage in this. It seems to me that they're setting us up for a tinderbox. It is a tinderbox. It is being stuffed, filled with kindling. They are just waiting for the spark. I don't get how people are calling 911 from inside the zone to the police outside the zone. And it's not being treated as like a hostage situation. It, it, that's what it sounds like. It's like a federal hostage situation. And the city is not willing to. Well, to Biden's not going to do anything. Well, He's the city itself, anybody. they're the one. The, these are the people that actually defunded the police after all the riots, right? These are one of the jurisdictions right. that actually did. They did. <clears throat> so. The elected officials believe that the people that elected them put them into power to make decisions like this to defund the police. Man, could I, you imagine living like that? I look, man. Really. I, I, I. Everybody knows. I grew up on the south side of Chicago. I remember I'd be, you know, sleeping and you hear pow, pow, pow in the middle of the night, and you just, you just, you still, you're laying down. So what can you do? You know, go to the floor if you if you hear it closely. But usually it's far away. I remember hearing from a friend of mine. I was talking to him on the phone late at night because we were like going to go skate or something. And then he's like, oh, dude, I hold on a second. I, yeah, there's a couple people dragging. Dude, they're dragging a body. He basically said what he told me was that he saw two people going through an alley carrying a, a rolled up carpet with feet sticking out the back of it. Jeez. Even even growing up in a place like this, I could not imagine 30 rots, 30 shots ringing out. 
cars crashing through fences. Dude, they're shooting into cars with people in them. They're shooting into people's garages, like through the into garage. Their homes. Now, now, if you read the police blotter from Washington D.C. from any given day, you're going to have all of those things on there. Yeah, but plus, in plus, one I, that's what I'm saying. Plus ten extra murders, plus all kinds of over. Like it's insane. And if you read the police blotters from my neighborhood, even where there's like million dollar houses, it, it terrifying. But this is all within basically what, like fifty yards of the same intersection. They said. In this op-ed, this is one block. That's insane. One block. So it's it's they call it 30th. They're saying 38th in Chicago is the George Floyd Square. So there's probably four adjacent blocks, you know, going to one going, you know, east, west, north and south or whatever the directions they have it built. Maybe it's maybe it's north by northwest or something. <laughs> and uh, uh, this is one of those blocks adjacent to the memorial. We've, we, we, we read about that story, man, where the 30-year-old volunteer was shot and killed. But this is just so much like what happened in Seattle. You'd think the first time this happened, then police would take it seriously. But, but I, I want to add to this. When will there ever be a federal response to what's going on with these extremists? Because I, I, I'm willing to bet, you know, they mentioned that one of these guys who was shooting had nothing to do with the neighbors who were arguing. I'm willing to bet we call them the tourists, right? So, you know, since Occupy... Me and several of uh, many journalist friends of mine, we would notice there were always these similar people we would see at the same events. We knew their names. We called them tourists because they would even fly to China. A couple of them flew to Turkey to engage in protests. For what reason are you in China protesting? Okay, like, there's a lot of things protesting in China for sure. But they were protesting mainland China for like very specific Chinese domestic policy. And I'm like, what is this? Who are these people? Why are they doing this? I bring this up not to say that, you know, I don't know what that is they're doing. How many of these people in the autonomous zone are not from Minnesota? How many of them crossed state lines, potentially armed, and and are committing these crimes? Burning Man was canceled this year. So, look, if you look at the murder numbers, this is happening all over the country. Murder numbers are back up to their 1990s levels. Wow. 1990s, which is coming out of like when DC was called the most, you know, the murder capital of the world. DC was DC DC was the murder capital of the world. Wow! In the late eighties, and that's when I first moved to DC, and that's when I got my first Good taste. choice. So, well, thank, thanks, Dad. Uh, that's when I got my first taste here. So, um, you know, on one hand, this really makes me feel sympathy for people that do live with this kind of violence, and it's not maybe as extreme, but they do live with it. I mean, we're talking hundreds and hundreds of murders in DC with a population of five hundred thousand. Yeah, that's a lot. Okay, per capita. And it was so bad that after the, the 1968 riots, the city gets burned out, crack cocaine, crime, everybody, yeah, everybody left the city. Anybody that could leave the city left the city. And they, anybody and it, that could leave sorry, the city. Anybody, that's it. Anybody well, that's, that could that's, leave, that's, yeah. the, the could is the key there. Yeah. People who are impoverished get trapped in these places. And it creates a cycle of poverty, crime, and violence. Totally. And when I was doing real estate development in the 90s, we would go around rehabbing houses. And I remember specifically, there were always, the houses always had bars on the windows. Some of the houses had bars on the doors and the windows. Some of them had bars on the windows on the second floor. Okay. <laughs> but the cake, wow. the cake is when I figured out, when I had did a house that had bars on the roof hatch, on the inside, on the second floor of their townhouse, there's a roof hatch to go up into the attic and up into the roof. They had bars inside their house on the second floor roof hatch because they were they had to pay somebody to come in there and weld it and install. Because someone broke into their because attic? Because people had been breaking into homes through the attics and wow. invading people's houses. So that's like a level of violence that people were accustomed to in the 80s and the, and the early 90s in D.C., this sounds 
familiar on the heels of what riots breakdown of order people moving out the police stepping back and just allowing this crime to take over by design in this case let me this this is this is is a war zone what they're describing yeah i've been i've been in civil conflict i've not been in full-scale war i have not reported from places where you've got you know active you know belligerent militaristic national whatever but I have been in countries. I was in Egypt during the revolution. I was in Ukraine during, you know, a lot of that conflict. Molotovs were being thrown. People were getting shot. Venezuela. I would tell you this. Based on what they're reporting, I felt safe. Like, reading this, and, I, and I'll preface this with, I, I don't know what it's actually like to be there on the ground. But when I was in Venezuela, nowhere near as scary. If, if what they're going through right now with an autonomous zone sounds more deadly than Caracas, which is the murder capital of the world now... I can only imagine. I mean, something's got to be done about it. This is this is I mean, look, there's photos, I guess there's a photo of a giant Black Lives Matter communist fist right in the middle. Is this what what people can expect when this this ideological faction continues to gain power and expand? All right. Here's two things that are really important. One, Black Lives Matter and Antifa should be acting as decentralized cells, not trying to hold a territory like this and using politics and other punctuated moments to get their agenda across. Holding territory for them seems like a strategic failure. Right. Because they're just setting up this environment, which they can be blamed for virtually everything. Right. But at the same time. It strikes me as being so bad for them, such a polit- uh, propaganda failure, right, that it seems if I were designing a circumstance to make Black Lives Matter and Antifa look bad, I would encourage people to go to this autonomous zone and start shooting things up and start blowing things up. Or you would encourage them to create the autonomous zone because you know what, yeah. it, what invariably leads to when cops don't come anymore. So it seems like such a bad idea. And maybe they're this just this stupid. But it seems like such well, yeah. a bad idea that it feels like it's somebody else doing it. It's like an info op. I mean, look, they the, the fist symbol they use is literally the communist fist symbol, you know. So I'm not going to pretend that a lot of these people realize what it is. This, the, I, I, like, they don't, they don't know the core ideology behind a lot of what they're doing. No. There are a lot of people who, and, and this is to be fair and be respectful, support Black Lives Matter. Because they genuinely believe police go around hunting down black people. Thousands in a year, right? And it's not true. It is the big lie pushed by the media over and over again and the algorithms of big tech to convince people basically the apocalypse is happening. And it's just not true. Are there problems? Yes. Should cops be held accountable when they break the law? Absolutely. Should, do we, should we get an inquiry and investigation whenever someone dies at the end of a police officer? You bet. Whenever someone dies, we should figure out what happened. But these people have adopted a fringe, violent, extremist ideology. And right now, you know what they're saying? You know, these articles come out and they're like, racist extremists are the biggest threat. White supremacists are the biggest threat. Okay, okay, sure, fine. I don't care if you want to say they're the biggest threat. By all means, law enforcement, do your job, target the biggest threat. But can we have a real conversation about how serious this threat is as well? So I'll say it's not the biggest threat, but it's certainly a big threat. To whom? Threat to whom? Civilians. Well, who who are white supremacists the biggest threat to? Oh, minorities. But... We know that that's not actually the White case. White supremacists. What do you mean by saying? Well, the number of murders of black people committed by other black people far exceed any white supremacy murder. Can we get a fact check on that? I'm pretty darn sure about that. It far exceeds going any. Through, so uh, 
white people more are more likely to kill white people black people are more um, black people are more likely to kill black people yeah so you know in these areas it's particularly interesting when you have white progressive antifa types going into minority areas and burning down black businesses and contributing to that that cast <clears throat> conflict but but i think they're specifically talking about terror and political not not like random street violence and muggings right so here's the irony of that it's written by the the white dominant i'm using their words white dominant (laughs) supremacy culture the white oppressive structures the government is saying that the biggest threat is white supremacists to whom well to the government they're not actually saying saying terrorism right but they're not actually talking about who the threat to to minority people they're very specifically coming at it from a white power structure perspective saying i see i see white supremacists are the biggest problem so ironically if minorities are picking up that as a, as as a position, I don't think that's actually what they're saying. I, I I see what you're saying. They definitely fear the threat from the Q people and you know far right groups storming the Capitol and stuff. But we just had that that atro- that atrocity happen with that incel guy who went to the Asian massage parlor. So this this is what this is what I'm saying. I'm not here to argue they're wrong. By all means, if the experts come out and say. Racist extremists and white supremacists are the biggest threat we face. I say, well, then, thank God you guys are on top of this one. No joke. If you guys are actually tracking down the extremists and are going to stop the violent criminals from, from committing atrocities, then I'm glad you're there because we don't want that to happen. Okay, great. Now, do you have any extra police or federal agents that can stop the autonomous zone extremism that's putting people under occupation and making them live in fear and, and under violence under the boot of these extremists? Because I don't understand why they can't do that. I don't understand why they can send out a dozen agents for a, for a, a garage pull rope for that NASCAR driver because they, they thought it was racist. But they can't do anything to stop this? Because the government doesn't want it in, in Minneapolis, in Minnesota. The people don't want it. The elected officials don't want it. The city councils are the ones that move to defund the police. That entire community is affect in, sorry infected top to bottom, apparently, with this mind disease. Right. And the part that you pointed well, out at the bottom, these are the ones who are writing the op ed saying people are fleeing and we refuse. Sure. We want our city back. Sure. So they're coming into close contact with reality. Now, what all this, all these people who are like, oh, yeah, Black Lives Matter to fund the police. I for, I'm all for that. Who could be against Black Lives Matter? Well, this is what happens when you've been taken as a f- unwitting foot soldier. In a war where you don't know what the end goal really is or any of the ideology behind what you're doing, what you're saying, and you just become a pawn. And now these people are figuring out that they're pawns. But there's no one in that political apparatus that wants federal agents to come in there and fix this or state troopers to come in there and fix this. And they've already told their local police not to fix it. This is what they wanted. That's true. So I I feel bad for these individuals who are there now, now coming face to face with these policies. And you know what? I'll, I'll add on top of this. First and foremost, anybody who's facing a distressing, war-torn, chaotic moment like this, you got my sympathy. And I, and I want you to get the re- If you come to me and you're like, hey, man, I was wrong. Defunding the police was a big mistake. Please, can you help us? I will say yes. Yes. So if they're coming out and they're saying that now, I will also say to all the people who voted for it and still sit back and say it's a good thing, well, then you, you get what you deserve. Yeah. Th- you vote for it. You want it. Don't, don't, I'm not going to interfere. I've been thinking about this for That's about democracy. F- 15 minutes during war, World War II, I think. 20 million su- soldier deaths, 50 million civilian deaths, something like that. The number was like two yep. to one in, in war. And that's in like an organized soldier on soldier conflict when you see this city violence it's the civilian death and destruction that is just goes under the radar but you know what you know what i gotta say it if you don't pay attention to the news if you do nothing 
evil triumphs. But the problem that yeah, I agree with you 100%. You got to dig. The problem that we have today is the world has become too complex and it's impossible for an individual to make sense of the world, determine right and wrong, up from down. It is impossible to do that today, right? Because we live in a purposefully polluted information space. It's impossible for anybody working yes. outside of that space. You know, so it, you, yeah. you, you expect the journalist to distill this information and give you an accurate worldview so you can make better, better choices. Instead, what you get now is rage bait garbage, uh -huh. ridiculous stories, drama, con you know, articles, so-and-so is fighting with so-and-so or whatever. That's what you get. Yeah. Here's the latest bigot. Tucker Carlson is now Donald Trump, saith Brian Stelter. Right. Oh, we know why he did that, because CNN's ratings dropped by something like 50 some odd percent and then another like 47 in the key demo. So they, they're 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 on dire straits. They, they were, need they a were, new white devil. They need a new villain yeah. to, 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 to report on to keep everyone all going crazy. It's not going to work. No one cares about Tucker Carlson, Brian. No, they, they tried doing Marjorie Taylor Greene, but nobody cares about a freshman congresswoman. Okay, well, how about Tucker? He's got the biggest show on Fox News. Sorry, bro. People are hitting me up. A lot of people hit me up and they're like, Tim, YouTube is suppressing my channel right now. What's happening? As soon as the election was over, they started hitting my channel. I was like, no, 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 no one's suppressing your channel. Nobody cares. Okay. During, I mean, look, we did, we, we, you were on the show on January 6th. We had like, you know, 80,000 people watching, got like 100, 000, a, a million views in the first night of live viewership and then like 800 or 900,000, you know, video on demand views. And now viewership goes way down because we're coming off of that political season. Fortunately for us, we're a small podcast with, you know, small business. Things are going well, but for CNN, oh no, they're, 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 they're getting crushed and it's getting, it's getting brutal. To, to finish that last point though, on this complexity of the world, it was once upon a time, I believe, rational to be ignorant of politics. You're not going to be able to deduce everything. You're not going to be able to figure it all out and make a vote that's going to count, right? Because it's never just but side by one vote. So there was a little rationality to being ignorant. But today, it is irrational to be ignorant. If you are ignorant and you just accept what's given to you over the mainstream media and through the legacy and through our institutions, you will end up fat, sick, chained to a desk, in debt, working for a corporation, wearing a mask, staying at home, putting your kid in quarantine next to you, listening to them cry out for you. And you'll think that we live in a world where white supremacy is the biggest problem and that Black Lives Matter just means we want black people to have a good life. That's let's, what happens when you don't pay attention. Let, let, let's, let's do this. You're bringing this stuff up and you know we'll, we'll, we'll derail a little bit from the main conversation, but I want to show you this tweet. So I saw this uh, earlier. And this guy, Joe Hart, tweets, translation, how to tell you're a loser. <laughs> Did you see this tweet? I retweet. I retweeted it myself. So oh, this right. woman, her Twitter handle is Cats Against Humanity, says, how to tell you're an adult. You gain 30 pounds overnight. You'd rather sleep than go out. Everything hurts. Comfort comes before style. You have a favorite spatula. Everything feels like a chore. College students look like 12-year-olds. You're always annoyed AF. You know, what I, you know what I thought as soon as I saw that? That you do have a favorite spatula. Yes. No, no, no. You're depressed. <laughs> yeah, that You're, lady's depressed. She's depressed. This is not normal. Yeah. Is this what people are experiencing? It's so much so that, she, that, that she's experiencing depression and she thinks it's normal because she sees other people experiencing this, that she's like, it's just being a normal adult. No, lady, dude, you are in serious trouble, okay? Listen, if you're gaining 30 pounds overnight, what are you eating and why aren't you getting physically active? Are you just sitting around and eating garbage food? Sounds like you got a favorite spatula. You, 
You'd rather Seriously. sleep than go out? Dude, that is a principal sign of depression. Yeah. Indeed. For everybody listening, if you would rather sleep than go out, force yourself to go on a walk. Now, what, what does that girl do, though? She's like she's like some sort of creator, right? I have no idea. I think she is. She's a creator. Yeah. I click through. Maybe her brand, maybe she monetizes being depressed. You know, That's messed up. Do you see those commercials like... We know life is hard. Like they'll start off like that. They're trying to sell you a drug or something yeah. like a pharmaceutical. It's we know so life is hard annoying. and it's going to get worse. They're like let's everyone just well, listen, accept listen. this premise that life sucks so that we can sell you our product. Yeah. Antidepressants. Mm -hmm. She says everything hurts. And I'm like, listen, if you're laying in bed all day, maybe you have bed sores or you've become soft from being inactive. Comfort comes before style. Yes, you've 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 gained a ton of weight. This is a this is a this is a painful cycle people fall into. They start, you know, getting out of shape, gaining weight. Then they start feeling bad about themselves. So instead of going out, getting active and reversing it, they re retreat back inside. She says everything feels like a chore. Dude, that's literally depression. Now, to be fair, college students do look like 12 year olds. All right. That one I agree with. <laughs> but I don't know. Are we going to talk about that again? <laughs> she says you're always annoyed AF. This is just like it's it's sad millennial depression. So and but but listen, here, here, what I'm seeing from this is if she's a creator, if she's an influencer. And she thinks this resonates with her audience. Millennials got serious problems. It does. So my, my girlfriend is a hairstylist. And every day in her chair, she has an endless stream of women between 25 and 55 oh, coming cool. into her chair. And when you sit down in a hairstylist chair, it's sort of like sitting down at the therapist because you're not making direct eye contact. And you can just just spill your guts. <laughs> and of course, the whole time, she's just like, oh, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And she tells me that the women all say the same thing. Every single one that comes into her chair talks the same way. So, do you, so this gaining is gaining weight. Oh, man. The world sucks. Yeah, yeah. What, this what, is a common theme. Is what's causing? Food? That? Is it the food? Sugar? What's causing that? It's always sugar. Sugar. It's, just it's comes not back just always sugar. Well, bro. it's like the drug. It's like more addictive than, hair, than sure, cocaine. Sure. I think in lab rats. But studies. I think I think we've got cultural problems. So like you know, looking at the Grammys, for instance, the ratings went way down. I bring this up cultural decay. People aren't looking forward to things anymore. There's nothing. People like look. I think it might be the sugar, man. I think that's over. That's an oversimplification. It's super of, simple, but like, no, dude, what, it's, okay, it's everything. Path of I don't least care about resistance, sugar. Right? Everybody, like, um, everybody is dealing with Occam's some crazy razor. cultural problem right now, where we've got social media making people depressed. They want likes. They're desperate for it, but there's no actual community event for them to go out to. And that's what I think is oh, a big yeah. factor here. Yes, but what we need to look at is whether or not the rates of anxiety and depression were this high in February of 2020 as they are now, and I would guess. That they nope. they are. I think. I that, think they are. Yeah, yeah. I think that depression, anxiety among females, especially, was as it may be higher now. I think it, it's. I think. I, but I think it was it, high before Corona. I I think it's fair to say depression and anxiety are probably very similar among men and women. I'll, I think. I think it's probably just a lot of guys who won't talk about it. I've been my most depressed in life when I was eating crappy. Hundred percent. I used to eat like oats, just bu buckets of oats. Honey, sugar, and just felt like crap. My eyes would be all puffy. My skin would get all pale. And as I mean, soon as people, I cut that people, stuff out, man, it just life got easier. I think it's a marketing pitch right now, too. What's that mean? Uh, you know, like recipes are all like, you depressed and not feeling good? I'll get you to be here. Buy my brownie recipe. Or, you know, join, like take this drug, join my thing, buy my content, buy this shirt. Is Supernautica right for buy, you? Buy your comfy pants, you know, like it, it's, it's a marketing thing. But why is it a marketing thing? Because it resonates. Why does it resonate? We could go back two weeks, talk about our other discussion, which I won't get into now. But I, I do firmly believe that those structural relationship look, issues have led to this. 
you, you've got a decline. There was an article talking about how young men are becoming are, are staying virgins longer and longer and longer. There's a lot of reasons for this. But I think when you and, and we can talk about all the different correlations in, in, in human behavior, why millennials, why are they so what's up? What's, what's up with the wokeness? Right. Because I, I, I did a segment about this a couple of years ago. I think one of the big factors in this, you know, for this woman, why they're depressed is a lack of purpose in life. We used to have purpose. You guys know what blue zones are? You know what blue zones are? Yeah, no. parts parts around the world where if you live there, you eat the diet that's indigenous there, and you get the sunlight and the air. You live to like 150 years well, old or whatever. That may be the issue. Blue zones are areas where people live to be over 100, and there's a there's a, a certain combination of factors they found in all these different places. You know what one of the most important things was? Purpose. I remember watching an interview where there's like this 100-year-old Japanese guy chopping wood. And like the woman's like, why are you, why are you doing this? Shouldn't someone else do this? And he goes, who's going to do it? And she's like, well, there's younger people who can chop the wood. He's like, no, 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 I have to do it. Otherwise no one else will. And the people need, so what happens is they 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 talk about how at retirement, it's the most common age of death. When you retire from your job, people just lose purpose. You take a look at these millennials. They don't have purpose. Their purpose is to post a picture of themselves. That's fake Instagram reality. That's what they call it. A fake photo of themselves to try and maximize how many likes they can get. And it's making people depressed. It's not just the social media factor that's making people depressed. It's that they have nothing to do with their lives. So we get one of two things. You get all the ultra woke people who have filled the void in their hearts with the world is racist. You know, oh, we, we got, we, we've got to occupy this zone for justice. We've got to go down here and, and, and what, shoot people? Is that what you think is giving you purpose? Well, apparently they have nothing else. So when that white SUV pulled up in Seattle, they were like, this is my mission. And they just unload into it. It's because they have nothing to live for. On the other side, what do you get? By Incels. Incels. You get young men who are angsty and angry, who don't go out, who don't go for walks, who don't exercise, who feel completely defeated, who feel that they're, they're too ugly, they're, there's something wrong with them, and they'll never succeed. And Jordan Peterson, you know, there's a reason why what he said resonated with a lot of these young men. Find the heaviest thing you can carry and carry it. He was basically saying, get out and do something. So you have, I see this very much so, not every millennial, many of them have filled the void with fake purpose activism and nonsensical threats to their existence and the other half have just abandoned purpose and just play video games all day and waste away this is leading to mass depression in my opinion but there's a lot of other factors too huge amount of factors but you're absolutely right the the number one issue is a loss of meaning and right. part of that is because we've diminished the value of nationalism surviving for your country thriving for your country not a thing it's not cool to be a nationalist anymore popularly I mean, even if I, I think there, there could be a, uh, a global effort towards like the ISS or something or to going to Mars. Yeah. We don't have that either. Yeah, there's no there, like where's like, you know, we, we, we land on the moon and it's this big television broadcast. Look what we're doing. We're amazing. And everybody was like, look how awesome we are. It was competition. But we don't we don't even have cooperation between like uh, any goals. There's no goal. Okay. Even if you're, even if people were like, it's about nationalism. Okay. Well, you can have a cooperative contest, a friendly competition between various nations to help develop the proper composite component, whatever, for getting us a lightweight material, strong, flexible, and finding a way to colonize Mars. We don't have that. Space elevators. We don't have anything like that. We have some people who very much like the idea. And then we have a dominant culture of posting fake pictures on the internet, posting dumb videos, complaining about somebody for some reason. And then what do you get? 
You get Cats Against Humanity saying they're gaining tons of weight. They'd rather go to sleep. Everything hurts. They have a favorite spatula, but everything feels like a chore, and they're always annoyed. They're depressed. Okay, this is a very complex subject, and there's a lot of factors in it. This is all by design. Eliminating meaning from your life is by design. First, and I'm not particularly religious, but they've destroyed your relationship with God. God gave people meaning. He did. Okay. Com- and he, and well, he- listen, listen. Religion also gave people community. Yes. They would show up to church. They would talk. They would know who was there. They would know, you know, oh, I, I can't wait to, to tell so-and-so about, you know, this or that. It's all gone. Take away God. Take away your nation. Take away your community. Take away your family. Hell, take away your identity as like, I'm just a dude. Not anymore. Not anymore. You know what? There's no meaning by design. Why? So that you can have your ego, your sense of self, and everything about you obliterated, smashed into a million billion pieces, and then you can be whatever they want you to be. Communist, socialist, anti-racist. Mostly the same thing, right? A purchaser. They want to sell you stuff. They want no, they want to break you down ca- and build it's you. It's not up. the capitalists. It's the communists that do that. Dude, I I want the documents in front of me because I agree with you. We've had James Lindsay was on last week talking about it's like a eighty year old communist plot basically. Yes. I mean, this has been going on since nineteen thirties. Was it? Look, 1940s? I I, t- I talked to one of the leading Russian, the leading Russian philosopher, who helped in the eighties and nineties formulate the way to destroy America. I talked to him directly. And he admits the whole point is to destroy meaning, is to destroy barriers, is to erase boundaries and barriers that give you identity and give you a place in the world. If you look out into the universe, it's infinity. Your brain explodes when you're confronted with infinity. The only way that we can have sanity is if you make barriers and boundaries and identify who you are and have an identity and give yourself meaning. All the institutions that gave us meaning, gone, corrupted, universities, churches, government, nationalism, all of it, gone. It's all gone. All the sources of meaning in our life are gone. It's by design. And we need to build back What's the end that result? meaning. The end result is people that are too depressed, too scared, too too anxious to fight back against anything, to be an individual, to even know what's right. They get turned into these mindless drone foot soldiers that are like Black Lives Matter right on, except they don't understand what that really means. They don't realize that the fist they hold up is actually the communism fist. Yeah. I'm not, it's not even an exaggeration. That black fist everyone sees. It was, it was really interesting when I saw the fist uh, popping up everywhere and people were calling it the Black Lives Matter fist. I never really thought much about it, but I, well, it's, the, it's, the, it's the communist fist. So one on the art pillow? So, that's the same? Right. It's, it's, it, it signifies. Yeah, it. So uh, <laughs> for those that aren't familiar, there's something called the, what is it, the fascist? Yeah. It's the, it's the bundle of sticks wrapped around, wrapped around with a blade in the middle, some kind of weapon. Oh. Uh, fascist, or however you pronounce mm-hmm. it. What and bundle of sticks was something fascist, else. Fascist. Uh, yeah, the, the root the root of fascist is a bundle of sticks. Is that Each, funny? Isn't a bundle of sticks? Isn't there a is. word that we're not allowed to say yes. anymore that right. also meant a bundle of sticks? Because yeah. it represents that each individual stick is weak, but together, bound together, they are a strong and powerful weapon. The fist signifies literally the same thing. Mm-hmm. Each individual finger can be broken, but when you combine them, you get a powerful fist. And so this symbol goes back, I think, 100 years to much of the communist revolution stuff we saw in the early 1900s. 
And now Black Lives Matter quite literally uses the communist fist. Oh, they're communists. I don't know if you, you know showed that, yeah. Lydia. It's this yeah, fist. Yeah. Uh, you can also get a, get a our pillow, I think, on Tim. Look, I'm going to make a real quick shameless plug here. If you're a man and you feel like you don't have any meaning and your community has been obliterated and you're not allowed to be a nationalist and you've lost touch... We have an antidote for that. We're building intentional communities. This is this is the answer to the future. Liminal order. Come check it out. Liminal order.com. I, I, I don't th- I, I understand what you're saying about nationalism, but I think it's just general community. Yeah. Like people who lived in in Texas 30 years ago didn't have the same ideals as those who lived in New York, but they had a community that gave them purpose. And then beyond that, there was a shared national identity and, and specific goals. If you go back to the 60s, fighting the Cold War was important to basically everybody in this country. Today, man, you couldn't find unity to stop China's concentration camps if you tried. They, they argue about what the right approach is. Nobody wants to, to get on board with any, any, any plan. And we just kind of sit back and let everything fall apart. Meanwhile, what are we complaining about? Oh, Cardi B and Candace Owens were going at it on Twitter, I suppose. Well, I think there is an issue there in how the fake media, like how the media manipulates the narrative and, you know, will absolutely go after Candace Owens for, for criticizing what we saw at the Grammys. It's interesting that. Our culture has become cancel. Our culture has become culture war. The culture war is our culture. What we are interested in talking about in mainstream television is shock content and hating each other. CNN. What what is CNN's main goal? What has it been for four years? Complaining about Donald Trump. Trump is gone. Okay, let's try Tucker Carlson. And it was really funny. Frank Luntz, the famous pollster, tweeted at Brian Stelter when he tweeted this. Maybe try covering the issues instead of some guy. And then Brian was like, maybe you should watch the full segment because I, no, dude, talk about the issues. I'm not interested in any of these individuals necessarily. I mean, sure, we can call out bad behavior when it's particularly egregious. But our culture is nothing now, for the most part, other than here's who I don't like. Meanwhile, you know what China's culture is? We're expanding into the South China Sea. We're building military bases on the atolls. We're building fake, we're, we're, we're building artificial islands to hold weapons. And you know what's really scary? Donald Trump ordered what's called an elephant walk. Well, I believe it was Trump. It was Trump administration where we sent bombers and fighters to Guam and we have them go along the runway to show how powerful we are. And did you know that we retreated? We retreated our forces from Guam when they were supposed to be doing that elephant walk to show how powerful we are. We had to retreat. You know why? Because China's military capabilities could have wiped out the entire fleet before they could get off the ground. Talk about a sign of weakness for the United States. Now what do we get? Wokeness in the military. The chief diversity officer to make sure that everybody is being treated properly. Gender neutral testing. And now all of a sudden they're like, we got to get rid of that because the women aren't passing. Got to have equal outcomes. Women can't get promoted if they can't pass the physical exam. Therefore, we got to change the physical physical exam so they can pass more. That's what we're worried about in this country. Bill Maher said it, and it is an excellent quote. We are a silly, silly people. China, they're as serious as a prison fight. That's what he said. I think we we really need a second coming of Christ. Because Elon's not getting it done. If Elon Musk can oh, can oh, engineer oh. our our exposure to Mars and build, I am not technology going that to can, Mars. It can. Pre- I know it can preserve our species. He's the engineer that can help us preserve going our species. Going to Mars is going to hell. But it's not enough. Like he can't. If Bro. people don't rally around Elon, we need Jesus. Like we Listen, need. Okay, we need okay, like hold on, hold on. God Stop. back in All right. these associations. Jack, yes, sir. Mars is not hell. What do you think the what do you think the the colonists the, the early pilgrims and colonists thought about land crash landing I'm being a bit exagger- I'm exaggerating what do you think they thought about getting on a boat for 3 months with a de- with a 1 in 5 chance of dying to land on a shore where there's no food no water no shelter nothing First of all they believed that there would be food and they believed that there would be water because they knew they were going to be on earth first of all 
and they knew how to hunt and where they were living already, they were already fending off the land. Uh, I am not going to Mars. The you, people, there's nothing you can say to convince me to go to, go to Mars. Mars. I don't want you to go to Mars. But guess what? So, so you're saying the people who left Europe to come to the new world had the ability to farm and hunt? Yeah, dude. So wouldn't the people going to Mars have the ability to use the technology sent there beforehand to produce food and water and shelter? I suppose if there's water and food and sunlight Bro, and air and temperatures. There's technology. Comparing Mars yeah. to the new world in the 1500s is insane. It's not insane. It's insane. The people who would be going to Mars are going to have technological advancements on their side. Is there oxygen there? Yeah, there will be, yes. It's in the water under the surface. <sighs> Okay. It's in the ice. Turn Mars into Earth. You got to melt the ice. And, and then I will there's go. No, there's no magnetosphere. I think they can listen, maybe, the listen, holes. Maybe. Space so, sounds terrible. Right. You don't understand. The people who I are getting- I don't understand. Yeah, these big wooden ships, the technological advancements that allowed them to actually make it across the Atlantic, thousands yes. of miles. Yes. These were very brave people. No doubt. Who didn't know what they were going to encounter, and there wasn't going to be food or shelter. In fact, Thanksgiving- they almost died because they had nothing to eat and they were saved, right? So you, so what I'm saying is it is, yeah, substantially harder to be a pioneer to another planet. The alternative, I don't think we need to go to Mars. The alternative hypothesis around Thanksgiving is, is like, look at us show off this abundance of food, by the way. Before we go to Mars, we're going to be sending supplies and technology so that the people who finally arrive will be able to build large eco-domes with food and supplies that will last them for years okay. with consistent amounts of supplies coming in. Okay, I understand enough. a lot of people are scared of this because it's a one-way trip for the most part, and you may die on a red planet. I'm not saying we it need better to be Mars. green by the time I get there. It's not ever going to be green. Yeah, it could be. It's I not, thought that's what you were just telling me that it was going to be green. You can seed bomb it. There's no magnetosphere. Whatever, in. Prometheus. Yeah, okay? but you can you can't seed bomb maintain the ice. water on the planet because they can't maintain an atmosphere. I think there is. It's just a, it's just a light one. There, there, there's, there's no way to maintain an atmosphere. It's dissipating. Are okay? you trying to talk me into it or out of it, bro? I'm trying to explain to you <laughs> yeah, that, we no atmosphere. that we used to be, we used to have people on this planet who are willing to sacrifice in the name of, of reaching new heights, of challenging themselves and finding freedom. And now we, have a bunch of, now we have a bunch of people who, instead of saying, I'm going to move to the middle of nowhere and build my own building, do what I have to do, they're saying, I want the government to regulate all of the jobs. I'm not religious at all. But I'm, I'm, I'm with you on need, that, but not on <laughs> Christ. I mean, I think that we need this, like, this belief in, I don't know if it's God or what, but like this yes. unified belief in, in the universe structure, you know, that, that Jesus was one of the guys that was like, I'm tapped. He tapped into I, it. The Bro, basis of spirituality is to get outside of yourself, whether it's a belief in God an afterlife community service, helping other people doing charity work, get out of yourself. Our culture today is designed around being in yourself wallowing in yourself and presenting yourself as the biggest victim that there is in order to get to the top of the victim standings. That's the people, problem with our culture bro, today. Bro, people just need to go play Frisbee. We're talking about a lack of, of, of self, a lack of, well, not a lack of self. It's nothing but the self. We're talking about a lack of purpose, meaning, community, friends, goals. Go outside, bring a Frisbee with you to the park and say, you want to play Frisbee? You want to just throw a Frisbee around, maybe hang out with some people? It's actually really fun. And, and they don't throw do a ball back and forth, but people need to go outside and actually do something. Instead, people are recoiling, they're retreating, they're hiding. Now, I think I'll, I'll tell you what I think one of the biggest problems problems we've got as as a as a culture. Certainly, China doesn't have it. There are people in China. They're 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 calling what China's doing neo colonialism. 
because the people in China are leaving. They're taking what money they have. They're moving to other countries. They're emigrating. And now we are seeing large Chinese communities emerging in many other countries. It's neo-colonialism. It's not happening because the Chinese government is, is ordering people, the Chinese Communist Party is ordering people to go and take over or anything like that. No, 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 no. It's just people who are in a very crowded country trying to find a better life, just like we saw with Europe hundreds of years ago. But now there's planes, there's trains, there's boats, and many of these people have the resources. They find their way to another country, set up communities, and they grow and they work. And I'll tell you this, the American dream is alive and well. There's just too many people in this country, too egotistical to actually work towards it. When I worked for American Eagle Airlines, it's, an Amer- it's, it's, it's American Airlines' regional uh, uh, airline, there was a group that, that referred to themselves as the Filipino Mafia. I, no joke, that's what they called themselves. And it was a large group of Filipino immigrants who were working for the for the airport, working for the airline. And they all basically worked 14 or, you know, 16 hour days every day. There was one guy. He was like in his 50s. They forced him to take a two week vacation, a two week paid vacation. And he was freaking out and complaining, saying, I refuse. You can't make me do it. And they said, actually, we legally are required to make you take a two week vacation. He didn't want to do it because a one week vacation is only 40 hours paid when he worked 80 hours a week. And you know why? Because he was he came to this country. He worked 80 hours a week and every penny went into making his children's lives better. This is a guy that was in the Philippines and said, I'm going to move to America. and I am going to work my skin to the bone, no matter what it takes for that American dream. And his dream was to work for 10 bucks an hour every single day because he knew it would make his children's lives better. Where's that at? Where are the people today that are saying, I will do anything I can? A lot of immigrants who come to this country absolutely believe that. And I've watched it. You look at the people who come from China to the United States. What do they do? They cram their families into small apartments that are cheap. They, they work themselves to the bone. They make money and they give their children a better life. Now we have a lot of people in this country, a lot of, a lot of progressives, mind you. Yeah, obviously I'm biased in that regard, who are just demanding the government give to them. Meanwhile, they're the ones who are claiming they're the party of immigrants. And it's like, well, why don't you actually take some advice from them and work hard to succeed? That, that, that's why I, I look at the Mars thing. Yeah. yeah, I get it. Mars is difficult. Mars is scary. There are a lot of people who want to go to Mars. I don't know if we need to go to Mars. It's not necessarily, I, I think, a solution to our problem. I think maybe a space station is probably better. And then maybe finding, you know, a long term vessel of some sort. I don't know how we do it. Our technology is not there yet. A Martian colony can be fantastic for the development of new technologies that make everyone's lives better. And the people who ultimately decide to go there are going to be going on a very dangerous journey where they will probably die. The, the, the likelihood of death might be like one in five, like it was for those who went from Europe to the new world. Granted, we have new technology and we'll have a lot of fail safe. So maybe it'll actually be a bit less, but boy, will it be lonely. But these are the people who are saying, hey, man, I'm down to do it. Now, while we got all these people signing up for Elon Musk's Mars trip, there was that Mars One project, what it was called, and thousands of people were like, I want to go to Mars, I want to go to Mars, and none of them were, f- were healthy enough to actually do it. Where are the people? You live in New York City, you live in Minneapolis, and you're like, man, this is terrible. Antifa's taken over the government, they're getting funding now, they're shooting people not nonstop, we're all depressed. Bro, why don't you get up, go outside, start planting some flowers, start planting some corn, why don't you like, you know, you know, what I've been looking at it for a long time. It's like moving out to the middle of nowhere on purpose to expand and to build something. Because when I see that doesn't work, you know what I do? I don't go. I, this is why I hated working for other companies. You go to the boss and you're like, hey, I see this problem. And they say, too bad. I don't care. I can't. I can't do that. I can't sit there and look at a problem that won't be solved. 
So I'll say, okay, I'm going to leave and then I'm going to do it on my own. Because if you don't know how to run this system, I'll figure it out for myself. Where are those people? Where are the modern pioneers who are like, I'm going to move to the middle of nowhere, start a company and revive this dying town. Instead, they're in their dying towns complaining to the government to do more to protect their jobs. I and think, it's both the left and the right. I think they exist, but they're drowned out in a sea of noise, especially online with, when everyone has their own no, anybody, journal. Anybody online who believes that they can do it is doing it. Online is the land of the I can'ts. What I have found interesting is that our country used to be a country of I can. I can sail across the Atlantic and start a new life. I can explore the West Coast, go to Oregon, go to the Seattle, I, or Washington State. I can do that. You mean I can walk there? I can walk And if you couldn't, to the West you didn't Coast. have access to a newspaper to tell everyone how you couldn't do it. You just didn't have <laughs> you access. Just didn't do now it. you got Twitter for right. free and now for 30 like, bucks a month. But the, prob- the problem is, is that the American spirit, the American dream, if there is actually one American dream, is I can. Yeah. All these other folks right now that we're talking about, these are the I can'ts. When did the American dream go from like working hard to just like being handed a million bucks? 1970, when Nixon took us off the gold standard. No. Fiat currency. Dude, okay, come on. It's dude. when Fiat, the communists when infiltrated money. American institutions and have pumped us awful the notion that the government is supposed to give us everything. When was that? Starting in the 50s and the 60s, dude. It used, it used to be. McCarthy the Ameri- was the American right. Dream. The, the American dream actually was upward mobility. There are certain countries where you're poor, you'll always be poor because you're not a noble, you're not landed gentry, and you're not a king. It's never going to happen. You come to America and you could flick off the president. You could see, you could see the president walking by and go, Hey, president, F you. And they can't do anything about it. The American dream was that you could be gutter trash and grow up to be a millionaire as long as you worked hard and figured it out. And that still exists. The problem is it still exists. Some, it happens every day. And at some point, millennials especially figured the American dream was I do as I'm told. I take out massive loans, I go to college, and then I'll be rich? It could have been the Rockefeller movement. Like, he monopolized and the education industry and kind of destroyed people's will to... I never went to business school. I didn't know how to run a business. I didn't know how to sign a check till I was 19 years old. I didn't this know how idea, to write a check. Isn't that, that college, insane? You know, I never wrote I'll, a check I'll, till let, I was let me 19. Tell you something. Let me tell you something. Yes, I understand what you're saying, Jack, about communism and infiltrating schools and all that stuff, and I've heard a lot about it. We know that China has an interest in promoting this because... The Chinese accounts on Twitter, this is what James Lindsay was saying, they used to they used to mock the Baitswa, the white left. That's their word, is Baitswa. All of a sudden, they started supporting them, saying, yeah, America's racist, because they realized it was weakening the country. But I'll tell you something. In my experience, my anecdotal, uh, my personal worldview, my lived experience, my lived truth. Your viewpoint? My personal point of view. My family, I, hear, I always would hear these stories growing up about how someone my family knew was making six figures because they went to college. And that's why you have to go to college to get a good job. And I said, not interested. And then what I realized later in life was that a lot of these people after World War II, the boomers, right? They had high school educations and they were feeding their family, three kids and a wife, just on their high school education. They made it work. Granted, they didn't have the same level of technology or comfort as we did. So, you know, standard of living was particularly different. But with a high school education alone, I read about how the boomer generation People with high school educations, they, they were managers at companies. They had jobs. They weren't making six figures. They made the false assumption that the money came because of the college degree. However, if you grew up at a time where you didn't need a college degree to, be, to succeed and feed your family, but you decided to pursue your passion, what was really happening is that those were, who are most passionate and driven 
towards a certain goal, decided to go to college. College was incidental. It's a spurious correlation. The actual correlation is those who are willing to work hard to attain or achieve some goal and those who are not. What happens then when your entire society starts telling all the young people college is the key? Take out 40, 50, 60,000 dollars worth of loans you'll never pay back in a lifetime. You end up with a bunch of angry, indebted serfs, can't find work, and think the American dream was stripped from them. Well, they were lied to for sure by a society that went astray. But these are people who need to be taught how hard work can give you the American dream. The only problem is the hard work they worked towards was a trap. They dug themselves into a massive hole, generated tons of debt because they were dumb 18 year olds who didn't know better. And because I blame the older generation stripping the value, extracting what they can. And then we get financial crisis, chaos, and everything's falling apart. So forgive me if I'm a millennial blaming the older generations, but I look we inherited this stuff from you, so it's not on me. You're a Gen Xer, right? Represent. You get a free pass. I'm Gen <laughs> X as it gets. Tim, I, a lot of what you said is absolutely right. The people that made the most of a college degree were going to make the most of life anyway. When they didn't need one, though, right? Yeah. The point is, if society tells you you don't need to go to college and you go, yeah, but I want to because I really want to study this thing. Well, it's no surprise that this passionate, driven individual became successful. But you get a bunch of people who are like, you know, I remember when I was 18 and they were like, you got to go to school. And I'm like, for what? What do you like doing? I don't know. Well, how about music? You play music, I guess. So what I was going to be an 18 year old going like, oh, and then but but draining tens of thousands of dollars in debt. That's the stupidest idea. I was like, I'm not going to do that. That's dumb. I don't want to owe anybody money. I'd rather just like sleep on a couch and go skating. So it worked out for me. I don't got any debt. A lot of people. I do have that, but it still worked out for me because I wanted to. I wanted to go. I wanted to study acting, and it was worth every penny of it. Not for everybody. Most people change their majors and end up not getting a job in their field. You got to want it. You got to be good at it. You got to be dedicated to it. You got to live it, breathe it, focus on it every second of every day. It is your life. That is what you are. I'll tell you what else it did. Then the money's subsidiary. You want to know what else college did? You want to know what else it did, Jack? It took kids out of their communities and sent them to faraway lands. And then all of a sudden, their ties to the community were fractured. So now you had people growing up, and they weren't going to the water cooler. They weren't going to the churches. Maybe they're not religious. They weren't going to the community centers. They weren't engaging in local activism or local journalism or local politics. They moved away. Maybe there's a good thing in that, but ultimately it means our community started breaking apart. And now one of the biggest problems we have is people are replacing their real communities with fake online communities, often with sock puppet accounts. And they're looking for some kind of gratification from online strangers who have cat avatar profiles or something, or cat cat anime pictures on their Twitter account. That's current. But the future is actually using the internet to find real communities. 100%. It's happening. I'm doing it. I won't pitch it anymore. You guys but we got to bring people me. to the real world. You, that's absolutely 100%. Tim, you're talking about things that have been in play for decades and decades and decades and decades now. Yeah. I mean, it's true. these ideas were seriously implanted in our brains back in the 50s and the 60s, and they've now made their way through the institutions to the point now where we are a sick culture of victims who rank themselves according to how aggrieved they are, not according to how successful or accomplished they are or how yep. realized no, no, or it, actualized it, that they are. It's, it's actually a detriment to be successful. Right, because that's evidence that you're part of the white supremacy culture. Well, that's that's what they said to me when uh, when I was at Occupy Wall Street. Before I got any recognition, I had all of these people saying, like, see, look at you, man. You know, you, you dropped out of high school 
and like you're a smart guy. You should be very successful, but the system doesn't allow it. You know, you come from a mixed family and it's very obvious how it's, it's holding you back. And then all of a sudden I'm featured in Time Magazine. I'm featured in all these websites. And you know what they said then? Tim Pool is white and he was born with a silver spoon in his mouth. Moral of the story, don't listen to other people. In this, in this, the moral perhaps, and the gist of the story is, if you succeed, they will accuse you of being privileged and always having been privileged because the idea of hard work doesn't exist to them. Exactly. Because if you succeed, that means that the only reason they're not succeeding is because they didn't try. Yep. And, and, that's, and, that's that's reality, is, and that's why the Asians are going to get crushed by the blacks in this new culture scenario. That's why they're trying to make it look like there's white on Asian violence happening all over the universe when there really isn't. This is one of the most the real issue is that the Asian immigrants are making African-American indigenous people look bad. Do you if, think that's why the violence is happening? No, that that's the violence is what it is. That guy shot up a bunch of. Hookers, basically, yeah, that was a white sex related. Guy. Okay, but this idea—we well, we don't know that's true. Actually, it doesn't—it doesn't, it doesn't matter. The point is, is that it's not some white supremacist going on a rampage trying to kill a bunch of Asian ladies. Like, come on. So what's happening here is that the 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 CRT folks and the African American victim community that wants to be victims—not all of them, the specific community—are saying that we live in a, an oppressive society that keeps minorities down. Well, guess what? All these Asian folks are coming from all over, not just Far East Asia or Southeast Asia or India, Asia, but all of those Asia parts. They're coming to the United States and they're out earning white dudes. Yeah, this is actually surprised me because I, I didn't realize Filipinos actually have some of the highest incomes in the United States. Yeah, dude, it's the it, it's it's Indian folks come Asian folks come to the United States, make more money than white people. Why? Because it's a meritocratic system. If you're good at something, you get paid for it. You can be Tim Pool, drop out of high school. Dot go to college, become a, you know, many thousand air here living in, in wherever we are. But the reason that this conflict is going to come between the blacks and the Asians is because the Asians are just proving the thesis now, of I, Black I, Lives I, I Matter gotta, I, false. No, I got to, it, it's not a race thing. It's, it, it is not going to be black people versus Asian people. It is going to be woke people versus Asian people. Sorry, you're right. Yeah, it's, it's so like Alan West right. sitting here the other day. Amen. Amen, agree to with Amen to that. The, I'm sorry. All, all those comments were meant to say the CRT, you know, social justice, Black Lives Matter folks that are pitching. They're mostly white. The Fine. All of them are <laughs> pitching the black victimhood narrative. Yeah. That all black suffering is a result of white systems of oppression, which I heard chanted over and over again on the right, streets. Right, but, but bro, they're not saying just black people. They're saying a hierarchy of different races are oppressed by white people. They used to claim that it was Asian people on top. Now, after this shooting, they're saying Asians are actually oppressed again. So it's, it's not about any one race. It is about manipulative, extremist, dogmatic cultists who will, who will use whatever narrative they have to to gain power. Sometimes they'll talk about Black Lives Matter, but they'll use the communist fist as their symbol. Sometimes they'll blame Asians because you've got that one woman. I'm not going to say her name, but James Lindsay's been tweeting up a storm about her where she was like, well, you see, the Asians who came here chose to come here in the early, you know, uh, early American history. They weren't forced to do it. Then after this wave of violence, Valid. they say now they're being now she's tweeting. They were forced to come here. Actually, it was indentured servitude, blah, blah, blah. It's like, oh, OK, you never cared about these people. You manipulate these people. It doesn't matter if you're Asian, Latino, Hispanic, black or whatever. All they want to do is pit one group against the other to gain power. <laughs> so they're going to use victimhood. Amen. And they're going to say these people are oppressing us. And you know what's funny? They accuse Trump of being the demagogue. 
They said he was the one who was vilifying different groups of people. Sure, there were certain instances where Trump said some things like, you know, he wanted to ban all Muslims. Donald Trump literally said that he was calling for a ban on Muslims until they can figure things out. Eventually, what they called the Muslim ban came to include a couple other countries like Venezuela and North Korea. So it wasn't exclusively a Muslim ban. Or contain all of the Muslim countries. Right. It didn't, it didn't include Saudi Arabia. You know, Indonesia. Right. American so Muslims. The point was Donald Trump certainly had his bombastic demagoguery type language. But they are built upon it and have been for a decade. Yeah. Trump was a response to it, not the creation of it. Amen. When they kept coming out in the early, you know, to that, late 2009, early 2010s, screaming about white privilege, racism, systemic racism, white people. And you can see in, in, in the Alexis Nexus data, the hockey stick of the New York Times just oh, screaming yeah. about white privilege. Then you got what they were calling the white lash, a backlash. But white people were now saying enough of this already. The funny thing is, we were taught growing up. Segregation is wrong. People should be treated equally. It was the dream of Dr. King that all people would be, would be treated based on the content of their character, not the color of their skin. And which party is fighting that tooth and nail? The Democratic Party. Joe Biden's Department of Education just rescinded a rule that said racial affinity groups was discriminatory. That rule has gone now. That was a Trump rule. Trump said, you can't do this. You can't separate people at schools based on race. Biden's administration? Oh, no, 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 no. You can do that again. Congratulations. Columbia University just said graduations by race. That's right. By race. Now, what's funny is at the end of the day, you're right. There's going to be one small group of people over here, the woke, and there's going to be a huge coalition of diversity over here opposing woke. And in fact, the opposing racial justice people will be more diverse than the group saying that they're, you know, the woke folks. And the irony is it's not going to be African-Americans in the middle of that. It may, it's, end, it's, up, it's it may gonna, end up being black trans women or whatever, but but truly it's all of be, this is, is suburban, white, yes. liberal women. That's right. This entire thing is about suburban, white, liberal women, their guilt, their, their interest in destroying the patriarchy. They're lying supinely on the ground, begging for acceptance and forgiveness. And they're willing to throw their entire country away just so that they won't be called a racist when they haven't been one, they aren't one, and they've just taken this identity on for themselves. Uh, I did an interview with Arthur Millick, the head of the Center for the American Way of Life in Washington, D.C., a Claremont East uh, operation. And he pointed out that even the ancient texts, the classics, they talk about the demise of a society is when it's run on the whim and fancy of single women. That is what we have today. The entire nation, all of our political discourse, all this woke crap, all this everything is based on trying to appease the, this power of single white liberal women. And you know what's funny? Half of guys are just doing what those women tell them of to course, do. Of course, because what do they want? They want the women. Right. Yeah. So they're just saying, so they'll do whatever. Do. Yeah. So these boys need some Chad immunity. I got Chad immunity for days. If you want to quarantine a, a vaccine, I got it for you. Chad immunity. Look it up. <laughs> yeah, I think that there, look, I think that's one of the issues. I think we're facing a ton of, a ton of problems we've been facing for a long time. And one of the things I, I bring up, when was the last time a Christmas song was written? Right. It's a, it's a typical question. Uh, something I bring up quite a bit. All I Want for Christmas is You by Mar Mariah Carey, I guess, in the 90s. We listen to music from the 50s it's on Christmas. Classic. It's a classic. Though. Yeah, but at a certain point, like, that was new. I wrote okay? one in so 2007. In, in, in America. It's on YouTube. Listen, in America, <laughs> they, so, they, wrote a, they wrote these songs. They wrote songs. They wrote Jingle Bell Rock. 
And it was new. And everyone loved it. We all danced and sang together. Every year since then, we play the same songs over and over and over again. No one writing anything new. No one creating. No one developing American culture. It's become stagnant reboot remakes. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna reboot Spider-Man for the fifth time. We're gonna we're gonna reboot this comic book, this movie. We're gonna remake Groundhog Day. We're gonna remake whatever else. They keep doing it. I saw that. Where's the new? Where's the new? Strongly opposed to remaking Groundhog Day. Where's the new stuff? It's this show. So listen, listen, man. It's this show. You want stuff like this? We're the new dude. You want this? Is it for sure? Okay. Yes. You want to talk about the woke? How they're all the problems they're bringing? I gotta stop and say at a certain point. You know, we had a great, I know a lot of people didn't like Rucka, but he, he asked a good question. Okay, you're complaining about wokeness. What are you offering in, in exchange? Yeah, exactly. And I said, classical liberalism. And he said, okay, we had a conversation from there, but I'm going to stop right there and go back to the culture question, not the, not the political question. If we complain about they're making woke Captain America, right? The new, the new Captain America is an LGBTQ activist. They're saying, I don't care. If you like that, then you can buy the comic. You know, when I see all these people saying like, oh, you know, it's dumb that they're changing all these things and we're, we're angry by it. I, my response is make new characters for these communities. Don't give them hand-me-downs. However, if Marvel wants to make Captain America an LGBTQ activist, that's fine. I'm happy for the people who like that character. It's none of my business. I just won't buy it because I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying I refuse to buy it because I'm mad. No, I just won't buy it because I probably don't care all that much about reading that story. But I'll tell you this. Where are you to make your own comic? Where are you to make your own new TV show or video game? How many people sit back and complain, why aren't they making the games that I like and the movies I like? And I'm like, I don't know. Why aren't you making them? So we can sit here and complain about the woke, and I think it's merited. But at a certain point, we have to complain about ourselves for not doing enough, well, not making our own things, our own culture. Amen. And, amen and I'll shout that. out Daily Wire. And we've been talking about doing new cultural stuff, too. We're a small company. We don't have that many people. But we are actively working and trying to figure out how to grow and expand and create new brands, make new, new uh, entertainment, new fiction, new nonfiction. We're talking about doing this paranormal podcast, trying to figure it out. It's very difficult because, you know, I'm just one person. We've got a small handful of people. But at a certain point, you got to make stuff. You got to build your own house. You got to move and start your own farm. You got to start your own data, data server farm. You got to start your own web hosting companies. It's happening. You know, we see what Gap is doing. But at a certain point, you got to stop complaining that other people don't agree with you and won't give you what you want. While I can absolutely agree it is a problem for our society when big tech is censoring people because they have a monopoly on the political discourse space, at a certain point, you must take control and do the work yourself because no one is coming to save you. Most all people are consumers. They're not even built to be creators. They're not interested in being creators. They don't want to be artists. They're too busy. They're working. They're trying to survive. They come home. They want to consume. It's okay. It's normal. So when somebody who's a consumer complains that they're not be given the things that they want, that's a valid complaint. The people you should be complaining to, talking to, pointing their fingers at are people who are creators and get them moving in the right direction. Yeah, well, but, but hold, hold on. Complaining. It's, 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 hold, hold on a second. Yes, but what about the people who sit around playing video games all day? What about the people who are like, you know, I lost my job or I haven't worked since COVID. Did you write a book? Did you start drawing pictures? That's what I'm saying. They're consumers. They're consumers. Consumers. It's okay to be a consumer. Most people are consumers. Most people are not creators. I think that what you're doing is potentially like applying the solution that you see is as possible in front of you and demanding it of everybody else. I don't know that that's necessarily possible. And so what, how do consumers contribute to society to merit consuming products made by other people? 
Do they have jobs? Of course. They've, so so they're making something. Well, they're cogs in a big thing. They're cogs in a machine. They're pushing papers. You they're wanna, doing you, spreadsheets. You, you, they're flipping you, burgers. You they're, talk about decades of conditioning, stripping away the American spirit. I will not tolerate, personally, and uh, someone saying, well, I'm just someone who, who works a menial job so I can come and play video games. I'm like, nah, let's talk about conditioning. Who told you to think that way? How come no one ever said, why don't you draw a picture? Start with the stick man. Maybe in a few months, we'll be drawn anime or something. Why don't you make something? You can take little rocks and you can, you can make little, little macaroni art and sell it on the street. You can take a guitar, learn three chords, play several top 40 songs, maybe four chords, <laughs> and then you can busk in the street and make money on your own. Amen. Amen it is, to all it that. Is, it is Amen. conditioning to take away people's independence and ability to create and be independent thinkers. They wanted you in the machine. They wanted the bell ringing in grade school to teach you how to work in a factory. Now you're an adult. Now the system is in decay. What are you going to do? You can also be a consumer and a creator in different phases. Like I've gone through heavy creation phases where that was all I did. And then I go back into my consumer phase for like two years and then back into creation phase for three months. And then so it maybe we should be to change your brain space. Everyone should be producing at a slightly higher rate than they are consuming. That 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 is extremely important for expansion, for growth, survival. And it doesn't need to be, as Greta Thunberg said, this fairy tale of endless economic growth. There can be endless economic growth because we have digital and virtual spaces. You can create things that are abstract. We have the NFT, you know, non-fungible tokens. Now people are making art that exists in the blockchain. There's a lot of things that you can do that won't create something physical. You can write a song. You can sing a song. You can record that song. You create information. You can do, you can work on math. You can, Develop new ideas and new technologies and new methodologies, or at the very least, you can stop being a consumer in these cities and maybe go out to the middle of nowhere, save up a little bit of money to buy a small plot of land, literally in the middle of nowhere, dig your own well, build your own house. Because at what point, I don't, I don't know when it happened, but people started saying the government owes me. Even conservatives say it. Even conservatives, the government owes me. The government should force these companies, you know, uh, not to do certain things. I agree with that. I agree with that. I agree with regulation. But I also recognize at a certain point, you have to be responsible for what you truly want, and you can't expect someone to do it for you. I certainly think there are regulations, and they're like, you know, that's why I'm a fan of you know border control, ending these free trade agreements. But I also think if it doesn't come to you, then you have to decide when you are going to take the reins and do the work to make it come to you. That might mean running for office. That might mean having a peaceful protest. I'm so into it, dude. Let's run for office. I'm not doing that. Get out of here. No. You want to run for office? Go ahead. You do it. I might have to. For, oh, yeah. Run for Congress? No, I'd run for president. People need to take responsibility for their lives, man. Uh, man, you're not going to hear any pushback from me on that. Personal responsibility, accountability, auto-regulation, independent thinking, making your own way, owning your own S. Yes, that is the way. This is the way. No question about it. If you want to talk about somebody busking and there's a difference between hustling and creating. That's what I'm trying to distinction. I'm trying to make creating Tim. You're a creator. I'm a creator. We're creating, we're creating art, creating journalism. We're creating media. This is it. You want to know what's next? Where is it? What's the replacement? This is literally it. I've been on the show with a million people watching the show. This is literally it. And it's not only just like the underground of it. This is the like one step down from mass media level sure. in the United States. There, but there is, there is a, a breaking point we're experiencing where 
this might be the new big thing. Yet to us, is there ever going to be a big network show, you know, like when you would watch Walter Cronkite or whatever? No, there's not because there was three channels then. Exactly. That's it. So what's happening is as our ability to to source information fractures, American unified culture will cease to exist. Amen. Amen. There's huge chapters in my book, Democrats of Deplorable, all about this very element right here about uh, liberating the means of communication. I use Marxist language to describe what happened. We've liberated the means of communication instead of one person talking to many. We have many talking to many. And in doing so, we've created and injected a number of new narratives, national narratives, personal narratives. And now we have no cohesion because Walter Cronkite used to sit there and tell us all how to feel. That's right. Do you think religion is necessary? Yes. Mm, mm, I'm not even religious, but yes, we live in a Christian society. That's true. And we, we, we mentioned this the other day. I think I mentioned it to Alan West that... People like Bill Maher, he doesn't realize that his values are actually rooted in Judeo-Christian values. Correct. And he thinks he's a secular atheist and he, his morals aren't defined by the Bible. And it's like, bro, they are. They are. They literally are. You don't understand that the Fifth Amendment, you know what the Fifth Amendment is? The right to a trial by jury, a uh, speedy trial, the yes, right to, to remain silent, all that stuff. That comes partly from Blackstone's formulation. When he said it is better that 10 guilty persons escape than one innocent person suffer. Benjamin Franklin said it's better that 100 guilty persons escape than one innocent person suffer. That came from the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. That God said, for if there is but one righteous person, I will not destroy the city. These ideas have existed for a very, very long time. There are certain cultures that don't share that notion. Take a look at China's history and their religion. They're an authoritarian communist, sort of communist nation. They don't have the same ideas about innocent until proven guilty. You can take a look at some. I, I am not saying that every country that has ever practiced this religion has hold, held these values. Certainly, there have been authoritarian nations that have been Christian. I'm saying that when we look to these values, they have a root in Judeo-Christian values. A hundred percent. There was. Uh, there, I mean, Hammurabi. Ever heard of this? Yeah. Hammurabi's code, right? Yeah. They had a whole entire awesome. moral and legal framework for their entire civilization that's got nothing to do with what we got going on. Yeah. Nothing. So Bill Maher sitting there in his jacuzzi with his hookers and his cocaine and his weed, as he admits, thinks that he's an atheist who just came up with these ideas of these values that somehow they're universal. They're not universal. First of all, entire civilizations have lived and flourished and failed eventually without these values and without this, uh, the, these norms. And here we are. This is the most successful culture in the world here, ever based on Christian like values. Here's for a new religion. Here's what, well, we have it. It's called critical race theory. It's called no, critical but a, theory. A good one. <laughs> sure. Here's what, here's what, you know, Bill Maher thinks. He looks to backwards and confused and poorly translated versions of religion and then says, see, it's a bad thing. And I use Bill Maher as an example because I was just complimenting the guy, right? <laughs> there are a lot of people who look to religion and say, here are all these bad things. And it's like, okay, well, what about all the good things? I'm not a religious person. I, I am not theistic in any uh, sense of, you know, these religious texts or anything, anything like that, anything like that. But I certainly think you can find good ideas in every single religious text. Okay, obviously not every single, I'm just being, you know, hyperbolic. But for the most part, you'll look at these religions and you will find there's probably something good in them. Maybe not enough. Maybe it's 51% bad, 49% good. Okay, well then take the good stuff and get rid of the bad stuff. That's what we've done here in the United States. There was a lot of really bad stuff. Well, we started to get rid of all that bad stuff and keep all the good stuff. 
that turns into sections of the Bill of Rights. First of all, the first amendment, the right to practice your religion. And then you have the right to, you know, a trial by jury, innocent until proven guilty. And that is rooted. At, that, that's just a fact. It's rooted in Judeo-Christian values and the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. I was like reading about this and I was actually really just impressed. When I read about, I started researching Blackstone's formulation. Why did he come up with the idea and the history of it? That's right. Religion. So it's not absolute. I don't think you need it. But that's why I'm saying I don't, when you asked if religion was necessary, I kind of went, eh, I don't know about religion. We're finding out right now. I don't think you, that- no, no, no. But you don't need religion. You need shared a shared moral framework. And what <laughs> many, what many. That, that's what it is. No, a religion is like, I, I have faith in the Lord. Or well, a lot of them's a cult. Like, I have faith in this guy that was telling me about the Lord. Right. You need a shared moral framework. Okay. Religion is... is, is okay. Where different. does your moral framework come from? In the United States, our moral framework is Judeo-Christian. Taoism. Not every single nation that has been successful has a Judeo-Christian moral framework, but they do share a moral framework. Some moral frameworks are really, really awful. And they're really nasty based on our standards. Mm. But that's the point I'm saying. Bill Maher's moral framework is rooted in an American Judeo-Christian moral framework. This is this country is not, in my opinion, founded to be expressly a Christian nation, but it was overwhelmingly Christian people who created it. It's Christian in its form and function. Yes, but not what, what I mean is there's no state religion. There's not right. They avoided making a state religion by baking the religion into the structure of the government. Well, I, I think what you're basically saying is they took the moral framework of the religion and, and, and structured it into government, but it left out a lot of the things they didn't like. Yeah, they're like, hey, you can be here and not be Christian, but by the way, all of our laws, our rules, our regulations, our morals, the structure, how are you're going to live your life, it's Christian. Are the evolution of a Judeo-Christian moral framework. Yeah. Now you have secular individuals who don't believe in God and don't believe in the Bible and don't realize their moral framework is rooted in an American culture that was very religious. And- Look, man. Look, Tim, I want to go back to what you were saying before. We don't have, we want to go to Mars. Let's give us meaning. Oh, we need a, we need the Cold War. We need meaning. What you're looking for is something bigger than yourself. That's right. A mission. Not just a mission, because missions end. Where do you think God came from? Aside from actually being the creator of the universe, if that's what you believe, it is the need for a persistent source of meaning outside of yourself that will not be seasonal that does not go away once the cold war is over that does not go away once we integrate with the aliens that does not go away when manifest destiny is completed you need a consistent and eternal sense of meaning that is outside of yourself so you don't get lost in your own brain and turn into a freaking victim Definitely. and sit around and say where's my stuff i don't think missions have to end like missionaries that's their life is the mission and the the pro the uh, Enterprise, the USS Enterprise. That was a, a naval ship? persistent mission. Good yeah, lord, it but ends. it could come to an end. Could, but it's not supposed to. Because the infinite, infinite universe created by God that they're exploring? Yes. Oh, bro, they're not exploring the universe. They're exploring a one quadrant of the galaxy. Thank you for... Uh-huh. I walked into the Tim compound today and what's playing? Star uh, Trek Next Generation. Hold on, hold on a minute. The episode that was playing <laughs> the hour before was the There Are Four Lights. Tim, I want to make a There Are Four Lights shirt, but I don't in, know if In response to, to all this nonsense right now that you've been four. spewing, I'm four lighting it right now. Four, four lights. lights. Four You're lights. the guy that would say for, there right, are four on, lights. For those that don't know this. Winston. Very, listen, listen. Let's talk about shared, shared culture. 
When I was a little kid, I remember sitting on my couch. My dad was watching Star Trek, Star Trek The Next Generation. Oh. I understood very little of it. And there's a reason why I love that show, and it's because of the philosophy and the storytelling. And let me explain to all of you who don't understand. And the holodeck. Let me explain to all of you who don't understand what it means when you say there are four lights. Captain Jean-Luc Picard was captured by enemies, and he was being tortured mercilessly. And the man torturing him had four lights above him. And he asked Captain Picard, how many lights are there? And Picard said, there are four. And then he presses a button activating a torture device and says, you're mistaken. There are five lights. And no matter how hard he tried to force Captain Picard to say something that was not true, Picard would not do it. I know a lot of people are like, Star Trek's a silly thing. It's a sci-fi show. No. You know what I learned growing up seeing stories like that? There will never be a moment in my life where you come to me and tell me to say something that is not true, and I will say it. I will look you in the eyes and say there are four lights. When you come to me with your stupid fake news garbage, and you say, we will ban you, we will destroy you, we will take your income, we will take your life, say there are five lights or else, I'll look you in the eyes and say, there are four lights. That's what Star Trek's about. It seems like that show was brilliant. And that was a show made by Americans in the 90s, actually 1989. And that was the value being instilled in people at that time. And I grew up with shows like that. Today, they have dogmatic cult-like garbage they are instilling into people. And they are ruining the classically liberal, defiant, individualistic content that taught us to be good people, to respect one another. Now they're telling us the opposite. Now colleges are segregating people based on race. When Star Trek was the show that they say had the first interracial kiss, apparently that may be a myth, but it did. And it was important. And there was this really famous story I read about the woman who played Captain Uhura on, on Star Trek when she was speaking with Dr. King. I don't know if the story is true. I read it somewhere. And maybe it was Dr. King. Maybe I'm getting the story way wrong. And she didn't want to be on the show. And he said, you are fourth in command to a Federation starship. You do not quit that show. Think about the message being sent to little kids about what you represent. Amazing. That was Star Trek. Where are we today? It's almost as if we've been occupied by a virus that seeks our own destruction. The Borg. A hundred percent. We're in, our nation's <clears throat> infected with a virus that seeks to kill the host. The struggle session. This whole thing. That's so this, this is That's, a struggle session. Picard right now. was going through a struggle session. This feels like a struggle yeah, session since, sometimes. Since the jump. Hold on. At the end of the episode. <laughs> At the end of the episode, Picard was asked, was told by the guy torturing him. He said, you can choose to live in pain and suffering, or you can be comfortable. What, comfortable clothes and all the women, you're at your heart's content. And he says, what must I do? And he say, tell me how many lights there are. And Picard is looking. And that's when the other guards come in to release Picard and give him back to the Federation. At the end of the episode, he's talking to the counselor and he says, I would have said anything. And I actually believed there were five lights. Yeah, nobody's perfect. Because torture does that to you. But but it, it's it's amazing. I wonder what inspired these writers when they write these brilliant things. Oh, that's 1984, dude. That's like a scene right out of 1984. Right, absolutely. Yeah. I think about shows like you know Futurama. Have you ever have you ever seen Jurassic Bark? <laughs> that's what it was called, and it was the it was an episode about you know Fry and his dog gets fossilized, and he decides whether or not he's gonna bring his dog back. Or there was also the episode about Fry's brother who kept stealing his his ideas and his moves. Talk about amazing writing and amazing show. So the character Fry talks about how he has a seven leaf clover, and it gave him all the luck in the world. But his brother Yancey kept stealing everything from him. 
He then learns, because Futurama is about a guy who travels a thousand years in the future, that a guy named Philip J. Fry, who looks just like his brother, was taking all his dreams, going to Mars, being in a rock band, and he had his seven-leaf clover. At the end of the episode, when he goes to rob the grave of what he thinks is his brother who stole everything, he learns that it was actually his nephew that his brother named after him because his brother loved him. What happened to shows like that? This amazing writing where you're watching this dumb comedy show and you end up crying afterwards with that episode and the episode Jurassic Bark. What happened to shows like Star Trek? Even Deep Space Nine was also amazing. Profound writing. Now we have Transformers, Godzilla versus you know King Kong. I get it. We probably had movies like this in the past. Yeah, but I'm saying it's cultural decay. Man. I mean, even Blooded. Scrubs would get you. Teary Scrubs was amazing, man. John yes, C. Right. Riley, dude. Oh. Wait, wait, no, no, McGinley, McGinley, John, Not McGinley, John, sorry, John. big difference. Um, McGinley's big difference. Riley's also good. It's flooded. The industry's flooded, so they have to like do these beacons of light in the sense of like let's do a reboot that everyone's going to put their eyes on. In, in 1989, it was like five, 12 channels, you know, one production company that, or like, you know, a small Dude, segment of production companies I, that could pick what got seen. I love Marvel movies, but there is not a single Marvel movie. And probably, I don't, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but off the top of my head, I don't think I can name a movie in the past five years that gives me the same sense of like awe and emotion that I get from like, I think the episode of Star Trek was called The Make of a Man. When Data, the android, was on trial, and they're trying to determine whether or not he was a sentient living being with full rights, and they talk about what makes a person a person, amazing. It's just amazing. Roddenberry was was he still his wife also was uh, or she was in the show. Uh, Roddenberry was he still involved with the writing of in Next, Next Gen? Generation? I'm pretty sure. God, Look, yeah. Next Generation was high quality. I remember watching it. But like, I watched I watched all the episodes. What what, what are we got, leaving for our kids? Right. Pa- so that Patrick so I'm gonna throw it to the Grammys now and actually say to Candace Owens, she's right. I look at that story about Star Trek and Captain Uhura, a black woman who was fourth in command to an, to it, to the flagship of the, of the Federation. And it's a piece of fiction and it's a, it's, it's silly and everything. But think about what that means as a culture of what we're telling our kids that you can be the best of the best, the top highest ranking or one of them. Now it's Cardi B on a giant bed jumping up and down on a song called WAP. Get in trouble on YouTube if we even tell you the name of it. I can't even that's, begin. That, that's 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 to, the culture today being to given on the kids. Explain how how demoralized I am with that with that Grammy performance with the whole Cardi B phenomenon with this. I can't. I can't. So did you just YouTube, say that YouTube is more conservative, definitely, than the no, no, legacy media? Yeah, absolutely. Look, I, I don't care if Cardi B wants to do those dances. Okay, that's fascinating assessment. I mean, okay. I, I agree with you, but it's just, it's fascinating to think that culturally they will censor whatever WAP means. And yet you blast it out over the airwaves on, on the Grammys. Now, listen, I am not offended at all in any way by the WAP performance. I really don't care in the sense that if you want to have your own show and you want to do that, by all means, go and do it. I'm just not going to watch it. Much like the LGBTQ Captain America. I'm glad you guys get your presentation. I think it's important. Um, I'm happy you guys have a comic you're, you're enjoying. Me personally, I'm not going to buy it. I don't like mint ice cream. I don't like chocolate chip mint. I think mint is gross. I don't want to take it away from anybody else. I'm not offended by it. I just won't buy it. So the Grammys can do their show, and I'm not going to watch it. But my criticism is that what do we then share as a mass culture where we all actually say this is something that inspires us and it makes us feel better. Oh, yeah. That's gone. Social right. cohesion is gone. The top-down, one-to-many model of communication and social cohesion, gone forever. 
The only thing at this point now that's going to bring total cohesion is a return. My so, boy Michael Millerman knows what I mean when I say a, a return. return. What does that mean? A return. People, not everything old is bad and not everything new is good. And and it's true. Yeah, I think it's funny. I was taking these political tests, you know, like the eight values and like the political compass. My political compass test, man, I am further left and further libertarian than I've ever been reading like through these tests. But you know what I realized? The political compass test is outdated. It doesn't ask anything about the modern culture war, the modern left or right. It asks you, like, how do you feel about progressive taxes and, like, multinational corporations? So I'm like... Yeah, it doesn't matter. But I was taking these tests, and I was just looking at some of these questions, and it's 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 very interpretable. I guess what I'm trying to say is, when we try to understand someone's politics, you could ask someone a question, like, do you think major corporations have an advantage in their ability to move quickly and execute plans quickly? No. I, I didn't ask you if you thought it was good or bad. Oh, I just think the answer to that question is no. Do you, you don't think corporations have an advantage over moving quickly? Absolutely not. That's the biggest downfall over the government. Oh, over the government. Yes, they can move more quickly than the government. I'm not saying you like it. And that's, and that's what happens. People end up looking at, you know, these political compass tests and political tests. And it's like, no, the only question dividing us politically and will be eventually we will all be sorted by this 100 percent is do you believe in essentialism or do you believe in the blank slate? That's going to be the final dividing line. Define, define those things. Essentialism that we are and act who we are based on our biology, our hormones, our size, our strength. That you can't disconnect biology from the way you behave and culture, etc. And blank slate is that you're born with nothing. Constructivism. And you are injected with all the things that you believe and all of your interests and all of your desires and all of your capabilities and all of your aptitudes. So let me, we, we, we can pull this up. I took the eight values test and it ranks me as a pragmatist that says politics objectively boils down to looking at where the problems are and trying to solve them according to the means available. But the interesting thing about this, when you're trying to figure out someone's left or right, you can't anymore. Why? Well, I'm a progressive, it says. 69% progressive, 19% kind of middle, and then a very tiny fraction conservative. I'm for 64% rehabilitative justice. Man, sounds like I'd fit right in with a lot of, a lot of these progressives. The only problem, I'm a 57% essentialist. But wait, wait. Rehabilitative justice is totally different than restorative justice. Right. But the, the, so that's, that's critical race collectivist stuff. Yeah. Right. So when the progressives talk about rehabilitation versus, well, at least they used to, that's why I'm saying right. when you it look, it doesn't at, apply anymore. When you look at the left and the right, here, here's what's really funny. When you look at my, my, my test, 57% capitalism, but 69% progressive. And they'll tell, they'll tell you people like me don't exist, but I'm 57% essentialist, meaning collective constructivism, where you think everything's a construct. Is, is, is non-existent on my eight values test. And then international and national are fairly balanced. Revolution and reform, fairly balanced. Ecology and production, balanced. Regulation and laissez-faire, balanced. The core issues for me are essentialism. And, or I should say this. The big debate, as you pointed out right now in politics, in culture, is constructivism versus essentialism. That's what defines you as left or right, I suppose. Hundred percent. And in fact, that's the main thesis of my book. Democrats are deplorable. Is that our political parties will be sorted and are sorting currently uh, under this paradigm? I would think. Well, that, let's, uh, we got we got to go to super chats because we are running late. Oh, cool. But let's super uh chatting, let's let's well, let's talk super. more about these polit this political spectrum stuff and constructivism in the in the members only segment. For now, let's read these uh, super chats. If you haven't already, smash the like button. If I've earned it, and you really like the show, the like button really does help. And subscribe. 
hit the notification bell and go to TimCast.com, become a member and pick up by clicking shop your Diamond Hands Gorilla shirt or your Our Pillow, because <laughs> Our Pillow is better than my personal pillow, not the company. Actually, I, I'll say this. The My Pillow is actually good and probably better than my Joke Pillow, but get the Joke Pillow because it's funny. There you go. Shout out to My Pillow, I guess. All right, here we go. Uh, <laughs> Aaron Tamiki says, Tim, can you shout out It's Me and uh, Can you shout out It's Me and My Girlfriend's One Year? Love you. Uh, I love you, Liz. Did you mean Liz? Aaron. No, his girlfriend's probably Liz. Oh, Liz. Congratulations, right. guys. Yeah, shout out for your one year. All right, let's see what we got here. The Black Blade says, Ian, you might not be married or have kids, but did you know that you are helping me become a better husband and father? My seven of Damascus steel would have your back any day. Thanks, dude. Oh, there you go, man. God's work. The Wrong Thinker says, I can't wait to retire and grow a Jack Murphy beard. Don't wait. <laughs> if you're if you're afraid that your employer won't let you have a beer like this, do you want to work for them? No. All right. I'm like, we have we have a bunch of super chats coming in, and I'm like, wow, it must be a good day. A lot of people are I wonder what's happening. Oh. The black blade says, guess what? Stimulus. Guess what I choose to invest in? My favorite alt media. Cheers, friends. Hey, greatly appreciate it if you got those stimulus checks. I, I see a whole bunch of you know it's one of the funniest things in the world. They're giving all these people fourteen hundred bucks. Some people don't need it, and they're just buying stocks with it. They're buying GameStop with it. Is it tax? Not financial advice. Is it taxable? I, yes. It is? Yes. That's God. so dumb. It's like, we're going to give you money, but then take some back. With your own tax money, we're going to pay you, <laughs> Dude, and then tax unemplo- you. Unemployment is taxed. It's, you're t- it's called, no, no, it's that, called it's an smart. insurance payout, but it's they tax smart. it. It's smart. It's smart. It's smart. Of course. Because that way, the people that made a lot of money before they become unemployed still have to pay tax at the progressive rate. It's a way of diminishing the return of that benefit to people that don't need it. Then why do a means tested check where they're like, if you make a certain amount of money, you don't get one. No, just your taxes will cover that. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong on the taxation. No, I think you're absolutely right. At least I know for sure on employment. I'm pretty sure on this though. I thought everybody, my, my opinion is that everybody should get, should get a check. Yeah. You don't have to do means tested if you just, if it's taxable and thrown on top of your AGI. I even think billionaires should get a check. You know why? Because there's not that many of them, and they're getting taxed on that, and they're only going to end up getting a couple hundred bucks off of their income. It's not that bad. Maybe they get twelve hundred of it, oh, or, or no, of the fourteen hundred, no, they no, get seven hundred. No. no, 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 it is that bad. People don't people don't realize the top tax bracket is not ninety percent. Oh, anymore. let's throw it. Let, let's talk about all the other taxes on top: sales tax. Let's talk about the corporate tax. Let's oh. talk about their employment tax, Social Security. Bro, you ain't got to convince me taxes are bad. People don't understand that income tax is not the only issue taking money away from people who are True. you know working and there's actually net benefits wealthy people get at a certain level like social security tax stops at a certain number so if you're making a ton of money all of a sudden your check gets bigger i'm just saying that if we're already taxing this if it's taxed my argument was that let's say you were making 150 a year and so you got an apartment in new york because your standard of living is there and then COVID hits and you lose your job. And now you can't, everything you budgeted for, your phone bill, your car, you got an auto loan. You know, your loan is a couple hundred bucks a month or whatever. And now you're like, I can't pay these bills. Then you hear about the stimulus and you're like, oh, please, I need some money. And they say, oh, but not you because you're rich. You made a bunch of money last year. It's like, bro, I lost my job. I'm going to lose everything. Then you have someone who has a lower bracket who, de- who deserves the money as well. They're budgeted for 50000 They're clear. And they can pay their bills and they can maintain their standard of living. It's going to be knocking middle class people down to lower middle class and lower class. 
That's why I thought the means testing was wrong. And I'm like, if you're going to do a stimulus, it should be like unemployment benefits and a stimulus for everybody. I think it might be taxed, not taxed. I don't know. Um, tax right. day got pushed back to May 15th. May 17th, I think. May 17th. All right, we got Jeff Bow. He says, hey, Beanie Crew, I was hoping you could shout out my friend Brock who introduced me to you guys. You guys should talk about the composition of the government budget. People don't know enough, in my opinion. That's a good point. Uh, I watched a video from the Gravel, from Gravel Institute, I think it's called. Yeah. And it was David Cross talking about why America sucks. And it was really good at first. I was really excited. Uh, it, it, they're well produced. And he's basically like, look at all this we're spending in taxes. And the problem is, and then he goes into healthcare costs and like inefficiency of the healthcare industry. And I was like, you were so close, bro. You needed to say only one thing. The tax dollars, too much of it goes to blowing up kids in foreign countries. Black budget. Yeah. Well, we don't, we don't even know what it's being spent right. on. Or like, what, what, what was it? There's like a, a trillions of dollars missing from the Pentagon budget. And like, they didn't know where it went or something. Things like that. And so I'm saying like, dude, if you come out, you come to me and say, hey, you know that we spend like $600 billion on war. I'd be like, okay, how much of that is like actual defense of America? Probably not as much as you'd, as you'd think. A lot of it goes to these overseas military bases and things like that. After that, you can argue anything you want to me. Like, I need a billion dollars for this program. I'll be like, oh, yeah, take it from the blown up kids de department, right? So there's a really great argument for, for progressives if they start with, uh, we're not going to tax you more. We're just going to take the money from the things that are dumb and put it towards things that make more sense. And I think everyone then is going to be like, okay. I mean, unless you get like critical race theory stuff like the Green New Deal. Otherwise, that's crazy. All right, Christina H. says, by the way, Ian, last week when I said you look like Ian Hill of Judas Priest in the 80s, I totally meant it as a compliment. Thanks for all you guys do. Love you. Have a great night. I looked it up, but oh, I didn't. I don't think I got him. From, I didn't think I looked like him. I feel bad. Why? Uh, Michael Brogan says it's St. Patty's Day. Enjoy that beer, Jack. Oh, you're right. We should have all had a beer. Jack Murphy. Jack Not Murphy. playing. <laughs> Formerly John Goldman. Now Jack Murphy. It's a great name. You should embrace it. <laughs> Gold man. John Murphy. Can, explain Goldman. the explain the history. John Murphy Gold. That's my full name, yeah. Oh, hey, and John yeah. and Jack is like a translatable like Indeed it is. Like um Ah, this is uh like uh Why got why got a step on my St. Patty's Day moment like that. I think it's a good move. Good lord. I like Spencer Prudhomme says, Tim, when's the tin foil hat gorilla shirt coming out? I'll become a member just for that. You know what? You're right. I have uh not gotten that done. And it's basically done, and it should be up. So we will do, and I'll try and do this by tomorrow, a limited edition tin foil hat. I am a gorilla shirt. Tin foil hat. Oh, it looks pretty good. We have the graphic. I just got to get it up. So uh, the diamond hands one, I didn't really have a plan for. I just thought it was funny, like you know, because the the the, the GameStop, the Wall Street bets people have a meme, you know, apes together strong. It's from uh, Planet of the Apes, and so I was like, well, we have this shirt. Let's make one where he's like a Wall Street guy with money. That'd be funny. Apparently, everybody really loves it. I like it, so. the evolution of the gorilla. He's become a Wall Street going, trader. We'll have to do a gorilla in space one day. <laughs> On Mars with Elon Musk. Yeah. All right, let's see. Butters or uh, Oregano, Oregano, says, Glad you guys had Rucka on the other day. I feel like he's so close to breaking out of the dream world that is objectivism. Also glad you pushed back more fervently near the end of the show. I, I just think that, look, Alan West said things I didn't necessarily agree with, but I'm not here to just argue and like berate necessarily although sometimes you know we've had people on the show where we get into pretty like you know pretty legit arguments i do try to be like okay here's a person who's expressing their opinion let's flesh out their opinion a little bit and then if they say something i really disagree with i'll push back you know but for the most part it's like we're trying to learn from other people and think and figure out what they think 
All right, DV Ken Bravo says, Tim and crew, first SC here. Funny how the Democrats say that states that have constitutional carry or are two-way sanctuaries will turn into the Wild West. When leftist-run cities like Minneapolis sure look like the OK Corral, you don't see chazzes in Texas. Diamond Hands Gorilla for life, he says. That's right, Diamond Hands Gorilla. Yeah, that's funny. What do you think would happen if there was like a chaz in Texas? I don't think it would work. It's a non-starter. Yeah, just wouldn't happen. Because yeah. the guy who lives there would just walk outside and be like, keep walking. Right? Although there was that, you know, Dallas shooting stuff, that crazy guy shooting the cops. I mean, that was crazy. Yeah, that got memory hold, didn't it? What was that? When that guy, I, that, that, that gentleman of a non-specific race shot up a bunch of cops of specific races. A black, a black identity extremist in Dallas started shooting at cops. When? Killed like six of them in the yeah. late, late, in the run up to the 2016 election. Yep. Oh. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's see. April Fierce Family G2G says China has starvation to keep their people weak under control. The U.S.'s ideology is to keep us separated, weak and under control. Mental slavery to keep us from coming together and fighting back. Media propaganda and lack of knowledge. Yeah. Except in China, they have moved more people out of poverty uh, into uh, you know living conditions that are sustainable than anybody in the world. They have urbanized at a rate faster than anybody else in the world. I have no idea what that person is talking about. The Nazis did that too. What? Urbanized? We brought all those people out of poverty. I'm not saying that they didn't. Military. And it's funny. Uh, the guys like Steven Pinker that will look around the world and say, oh, democracy and freedom is spreading and changing poverty conditions and bringing people out of poverty. They fail to mention that the number one driving statistical force and people coming out of poverty is Chinese authoritarian communism. Interesting. They yeah, never right. say that. It's how you get out of poverty really is the key. Yeah. Not- All right. A Texan says millennials are depressed to your earlier point. We're rationally paying attention and realizing our country isn't the one we were promised in our youth. MAGA resonated for a reason. With a lot of people, that's absolutely. I think a lot of the people who are on the left vote Democrat, they just watch the mainstream media and believe what they're told. So to them, it's like, why aren't I getting what I want? Blame Trump. Okay, I will. BlackRock Beacon says, I look forward to things like hearing from you, uh, your about me. Wait, what? Like hearing from you about me being your war hazardous environment correspondent, former EOD tech with special forces deployment to Afghanistan, trained and ready to go. Cool. Fantastic. Yeah. Thank you. Why you gotta be so awkward over there, Ian? All right. J Mac, you got a big old super chat. He says, honestly, after I got medically retired from the military, was really depressed and lost purpose. It was the lowest point in my life, and I had a pretty rough childhood. After cutting junk food and excessive beer out of my life, I focused on my kids and started starting a business. Happiest I've ever been. Wow. Congratulations, dude. Take action. Align yourself to the energy of the universe. Action yeah. is rewarded. The gut biome is like, we got to have a gut biome expert on some. Well, South Park did that episode where they oh, were trying yeah. to get fecal implants. Where they were doing, yeah. yeah, the butt swaps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah apparently it's really good for you. You can like oh, reintroduce... Geez. Or you can positive bacteria into your gut biome. All right, all right. Absolute territory says, Tim, I have a favorite spatula and I'm oh, not show. depressed. I happen to be an amateur home chef, though, and my favorite spatula just works great. That was the one thing she said that I didn't have any problem with. You get older, you have a favorite spatula. I, I, I was know. using one to get the scoby out of the kombucha earlier. It was an artifact <laughs> of her talking about how many brownies she eats. Yeah, right? Yeah. April Fierce Family says, when you don't have an, ident- have, have an identity in God and find it elsewhere... That's why they created identity politics and now social warriors and legalized sin. 
And when that's filled to the brim, you can punch old ladies without a thought. I mean, uh-huh. it's a it's a there, it's a lack of a moral framework. There's none. Their moral framework is based upon if like it's not even no, about they being have a, victim. a framework. They have a very ex- clear and explicit moral framework. No, they don't. Yes, they do. Then why do they it attack just doesn't... Candace Owens? Because that's part. It fits into their moral framework. They have morals, and we are in violation of their morals. That's why they hate us. That's why they think that we're the evil. That's why they yeah, think we need to be put down. That, but this is this really is an excellent, you're, excellent example. You're, you're you're correct in saying they have a moral, but my argument is they don't a, have the right one. A moral that is agree with me or I'll beat you is not a moral framework. It is just a a, a rudimentary like, oh, man, primitive. Their moral function. framework is, is if you don't work towards justice for everybody, you're actively working against justice for everybody, and therefore you're evil. Define justice in this moral framework. It's their definition, That's bro. the point I'm bringing up. There's, n- there's no way to define what they're fighting for. It's agree with them or else. That's not a framework. That is just a, a, an instinctual demand of in-tribe or not in-tribe. So how, Tim, do you see— They even attack their own. Of course, they're going to. So That's the listen, way it's going to end. It's not a moral framework when they arbitrarily attack someone who agrees with them. I think that you, if we examine that circumstance a little bit deeper, we would see perhaps that there uh, wasn't as clear as that. But I'm just bringing this up as a way to, to, to compare again. It's not the absence of a moral framework that's a problem. It's the adherence to crappy, stupid moral frameworks that's the problem. And that we've been given and presented with a moral framework that works. Now, are we going to adhere to it or not is the question. Yeah. All right. All right. We got a very important super chat here from, from Hayden. He says, Tim, you often say that people should move to the woods and build things with their hands. This is one big problem. Money. You have to own the tract of forest to build a house in it. I want nothing more than to build a home. It costs tens of thousands for the land alone. Do you know how much it costs for a half acre in West Virginia? Fifteen hundred bucks. Yeah, you can find that depending on where you are in West Virginia. With water, you can actually and electricity. No, uh, no raw. Actually, no. Some have streams. Some okay. actually have access to some. But like some raw, water. sure, sure, but raw. Yeah. But in if you want to get closer to the urban centers, you can get a half acre for five grand. Now I don't know if they'll do a loan on just five grand. So maybe you know you've got to save up a little bit. But maybe that's what you got to do: save up a little bit. Maybe it's just going to be more difficult when you find an acre for 1500 bucks, and you probably can. Cheap, middle of nowhere, and you've got to be completely self-reliant. But you know what ends up happening? It's like I talked about with the Occupy people who got that farm. They realize how hard it is to actually live being self-reliant. And it is just easier to say, I'd rather just work at a fast food restaurant. It is easier to work at a fast food restaurant. There's really cool prefab buildings with like gray water systems built in. And I think there are a lot of pricey solar pricey. Yeah, probably like 20 relative, rel- relatively, but you way can, more than that. You I can, so. I've you seen can, some cheap ones. you can well, get some know. pretty cheap prefab stuff. Granted, now we're talking of tens of thousands of dollars, but if you get an acre of land with some trees on it, it's not all that expensive. It's not the easiest thing in the world. I'm actually saying it is hard. That's the point. But you're also kind of like just pointing the direction. I know it is a, it is hard. You can't just be like, hey, tomorrow go go buy that land, but aim for it. It's not Tim, you're pointing out a destination as people should head to. I often do that too, but really what we're talking about is the spirit. The spirit of 
I will not accept my current circumstances and I will do everything I can to change them, to improve them. I will forget about my vices. I will forget about my entertainment. I will dedicate myself to solving this problem because I'm an independent auto-regulating man or woman, whatever. Point is, is you just have to take this attitude of I can, not the attitude of I can't. That's exactly it. So I'm not. I shouldn't literally like I think it's an extreme example to be like go in the woods and build a house with sticks. What I'm actually just saying is be a pioneer, you know, uh, uh, find the heaviest thing you can carry and carry it, whether it's go into your like living room and just start drawing pictures, something you don't normally do. Honestly, I think people should go for walks. I think people should literally like if you play video games all day, turn out a podcast and go for a walk. No joke. It will change your life if you're not active. And and I know a lot of people probably can't probably can't go for walks because of COVID or whatever. But if you can find the time, like even watching this show, I don't go walk around in the middle of the night or whatever when it's dark out or something. But Ooh, a lot nice of people will though. listen to this show in the in the next day or so. Get up early in the morning, just go walk around a little bit. You'll see some squirrels doing squirrel stuff. That's always funny, right? You know, squirrels are silly. Saving the world starts in the squat rack. I mean that literally and figuratively. You save yourself, save society, save everything by getting fit and strong. Make it the number one most important priority in your life after sleep. Yeah. And drink water. Yeah. yeah we, when, you, when you wake up, you want to drink some water. Basically. It'll change your life. You Basics. know, because when you're sleeping for, you know, seven, eight hours or however long you sleep, you're not drinking any water. You wake up dehydrated immediately slam some water and you will feel like a million and bucks. And go to the bathroom when you need to go to the bathroom. Your body is oh. doesn't know when, if you if your body has wants and needs and it doesn't understand not giving it Tell that. me about so just, your body's wants and needs. I'm not going to get into it on the show, Jack. I'll tell you afterwards. Though. Thank you. Definitely. All right. Private Jonathan, members only. Jonathan Galtarini says, check out Jack Posobiec on Twitter. He got military people to send him the latest on Biden's new extremism training for ratting out extremists. Oh, yeah. Nobody ever knew anyone, so they altered the definition to fit right-wing extremism. Yeah, because people people were like, what does extremism look like to you? What have you seen? And the, and the troops were like, well, you know, when Antifa was attacking that federal courthouse in, in Portland, yeah. and then the people running the thing were like, no, that's not what we're talking about. There you go. All right. Dude, the military is in trouble. Yeah, yeah. that's what Alan was saying last night. Yep. Big time. He's alluding yeah, we're to gonna it. get we're gonna break apart. We're gonna get crushed. I am not optimistic in that regard. Oh, it's so weird. Give, we, we need allies. Give me I mean, look, it's at one it is the most bountiful time to be alive. Look at you, Tim. No high school, no college, bust your ass. For real guys. Tim Poole works harder than anybody I know. Bust your ass, and here you are. There's about this is the most bountiful time to be alive, but at the same time, it is very difficult to not be just horribly pessimistic. I think people have been conditioned not to work hard or to not know how to how I to start. Can't. They've been conditioned to. I can't. You don't need yeah. to. Uh, you probably used to need to, but I now mean, you uh, can uh, hold kind on. Of get by with kind of was not it, doing much. Was it James Lindsay who told us this? I can't remember if it was him. Someone said they were playing World of Warcraft. And they were building up this character. James, yeah. And then eventually realized, like, all of those, all that time and energy I'm putting into making this really awesome character, I can make myself really awesome. There is no, no better feeling than leveling up your real life. Yep. Leveling up your real life is the bomb. And dude, making YouTube videos and watching the analytics is like a role playing game. It You're is. like, oh, my, my numbers are going up. I'm watching the value of the comments of the communication. My skills that are makes increasing. That's insane, though. That's yeah, a, that's a, that's a, that's I mean, addiction. life is insane. No, especially you, you, when you, your numbers you, no. go down and you think it's you, but it's really just right. A right, you got to read. You, you can 
you eventually no. will learn that it's trends and worst you, you thing de- in the world detach from the personalization of it social media is a plague an addiction and it's destroying the minds of people because they don't understand human behavior and how networks work and so what happens is they make a youtube video they get a million views they feel really good about themselves and then here comes like summertime and everyone goes out to play in the yard and don't watch youtube videos and they only get a hundred thousand views and they become depressed and then quit because they don't understand what they're doing wrong they're not doing anything wrong. it happens yeah. all the time well, but for you it didn't like you can no, 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 sometimes no, no, you no. can understand no, and you're make wrong, money man. off of you're it. completely wrong not completely. This, this affects everybody and i get like like i mentioned i'm getting hit up all the time right now I get like 10 people hitting up in the past week. Yo, dude, they're suppressing my content. What do I do? I'm freaking out. I'm like, stop. Nothing. You're doing nothing. I just happen to be, I guess, uh, knowledgeable in the industry, tracking seasoned. media ratings. You're seasoned. Persistent. No, but listen, when I first started doing this, I understood how, how ratings worked. I understood how seasons worked. When one day it rained, viewership went up and I laughed. I'm like, it's raining on the East Coast, major storm, so everyone's inside. Yeah. But people don't get this, and social media makes them go insane because they don't know how to make these systems yeah, work properly. You don't want to listen, overanalyze it. You know what is simple for people for leveling up? Going for a run and being like, wow, I ran a minute longer than last time. Yeah, but also very saying something you easy. believe and then seeing people respond, you're like, oh, it's better than a video game. No, yeah, and right, it's an addiction. It's dangerous. Well, people yeah, then become be. extremists Jobs, on social money media advocating for violence. Bro, social media is 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 diseasing people's brains. Is a horrible But it's thing. also a career. So, I mean, it's it's how you use it. It's a dangerous Are tool. Are we diseasing you, people's brains right now? I don't think so. I didn't say every single person on social media and every element of it. Yeah. But social media as a system does disease can. some people's yeah, brains. Yeah. No, 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 not can. It literally does. Well, I was going to say can disease someone, does disease some people also. are getting surgery to look like Instagram filters. It's crazy. I was going to bring make, that up earlier, it's, it's, actually. It's making people go it's nuts. Sad. Right. The point I'm saying is it is a powerful tool tool, and it's better than a video game. What I'm saying, what I'm saying is there are a lot of things you can do to trigger a dopamine release to make you feel good. And the simplest and easiest thing anyone can do is go for a walk. I used to hang with Bill Ottman when we were building mines and I was playing video games. He's like, I was like, don't you play video games? He's like, this is my video game, dude. And he was like coding. Yeah, (laughs) of course. It's way better. Going for a walk is where you start. And then finding local events. That's why I love going to skate parks, skateboarding. Because you instantly have a shared community. You know, I, I, can, I can guarantee you, I can show up at a skate park and I can have a conversation with any one of those What people. was the last time you rolled up on a skate park? Just like you. A month, a month and a half ago. And what, were you, did, did you have any moment of chill time just being Tim? What or do you mean? Did people recognize you? No. I went, no. To a, I went to a skate park and we rode around and it was silly and the ground sucked. And no one recognized you? No, they were like. 13, 14 years old. That's crazy. I mean, Very dude, few older people that got kids, man. I go I go out to dinner in D.C. and the waitress recognizes me. And as I'm leaving, yeah, she comes out. Yeah, but the waitress out. isn't 13 years old. True. I'm at a skate park. Oh, 13-year-old kids, right? Mostly kids. Hang out kids. The adults are now working or doing whatever they're doing. People quit skateboarding. And, and there's a reason why it's been a month and a half since I've gone back to a skate park. Because I also work. Granted, we have a skate park here. And so it's, you know. Three of them. Two of them. Two of them. You know. At, but I know... I know this, and this is why skateboarding is so great. You go to a skate park, you will meet people, and you can instantly have a conversation and a community, share ideas, and encourage each other, clap and cheer for each other, and it's always there. Now, in, in with COVID and everything, it's kind of been getting pretty bad. You know, people, people haven't really been going out, but if you get the chance, well, we, we do got to read some more Super Chats. So we got Oliver Moreland says, hey, gang, greetings from Minnesota. We have blue cities. But every other country in the state is uh, every other county in the state is red. Rocks and cows is holding a King Waltz protest during his speech this Sunday. The hatred towards him in the state is insane, but well deserved. 
there's a cultural split between cities and outside of cities. I was reading a study that said even in red states, cities are blue. It's the weirdest thing. I went to a small town in a red state and they had Black Lives Matter flags everywhere. You go a mile out, Trump flags everywhere. I'm like, that's weird. Why is that? The city was only a few thousand people. But for some reason, it turned hmm. blue. It's weird. Tyler B says truck drivers are in super high demand. Companies pay like three to four K cost for training them to make 40 K your first year. I'm four years in 74 K and debt free at 28. It's a matter of wanting it bad enough. No excuses. Be a truck driver for no out of pocket. Dude, that was always that's always like a tempting job, man. Road trips. My brother did that for like two plus years or something. I'm sure at a certain point you're just driving and it's a job. But I love road trips, man. You got on the road, you're stopping at the rest stop, you get to see little knickknacks they got, you get to meet people, talk about stuff, you got the radio playing. Road trips are fun, man. Trucking sounds like a fun job. All right, we got Pavi Maris says. (laughs) It's fun job until you're away from your family for four days at a time. And then when you come back, you want to sleep for three days. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's (laughs) a young man's game. I don't know. That's why. Why do you think it pays well relative to the training and education required? Yeah. Because it sucks. It's hard work. I don't know. I mean, he said he wanted it. You have to pay men to be away from their family. That's true. That's the thing. A lot of the things that you say are are based on your perspective and it's of of single uh, and not and not having family. Because I just would never, the thought would just never cross my mind that like being away from my kids for a week at a time would be a good idea. Not having Under kids. any condition. Yeah. But what about your significant other? Yeah, same. I don't want to be away from her either. Come with me, babe. Yeah, you bring her with. Yeah. So what's the, there you go. No, but as a trucker, you can't do that. Right. I'm saying we, she, she travels with me now. I mean, maybe you could, right? Nice. Yeah. All right. We got Pavi Maris says, Indian guy in Portland here. You guys definitely are a silly people with all the contemporary BS in the culture war. And it's the low T people, women mainly who are the mouthpieces for the BS. Well, there you go. What are they doing in India? Sweeping generalization. Yeah, right. Women oh, are to, generally to, low T. I guess you're right. I know. <laughs> that's not an insult. <laughs> that's just, it. well, I guess that's, a, that's, a, that's essentialism. The so opposite is an insult. Josiah Manon says, I agree, Tim. We need to make our own games again. I want Twisted Metal again. But if the big devs make it, it will be woke like Twisted Metal 3 and completely miss the point of why we loved that game. Twisted Metal was awesome. Yeah, I love that game. game? Shadow? That was the gray car? Was it? Yeah, he's great. Warthog? Are they going to remake Leisure Suit Larry? What is that? That was like a point and click game, like kind of like King's Quest. Oh, but you were King's this dude Quest. who was like this sex addict with like a suit. It was basically one step up from Oregon Trail. Hey. And it was about trying to be like a ladies' man. <laughs> there was, it, you th- when, we, when you were uh, younger, you thought that there was going to be like boobs in it or porn in it, something. When there wasn't porn all over the place and you're 14, just the notion of being able to see a breast was like super exciting. We, mm-hmm. we, we got a video game coming out. Yeah. We got a video game. It's pretty hot. We haven't what, been talking about it. Do you want to yeah, talk about it? Not not too much, maybe a little bit, but I'm wondering, like, what, if there, is there a timetable on when we think it might be? Six months to eight months. Really? At the rate we're going, yeah. It's I a, think it's, we could probably speed that up if we wanted to. It's a culture war-themed roguelike game that's going to be fun and hilarious, and it only uses cartoon violence. And I guess I'll just say this. I don't know if I'm supposed to, but uh, Freedom Tunes is doing the cartoon work. So it's literally going to be like a Freedom Tunes video game. It's very cool. Yeah. It, we're, we're trying to make it really fun and funny. And it's going to be cartoon violence because video games always have some element like Mario smashes turtles by crushing them and like, you know, kicking them. But we're going to have more silly like big rubber mallets and like punching gloves and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Bone so, arrow that shoots like 
plungers. Like a plunger. Yeah, plungers <laughs> and stuff. But it's a, a, a roguelike game, so it's like, you know, you're a little guy, it's a platformer, sort of, and you're like making your way... I don't want to give away too yeah, much yeah. information, but oh, it's yeah. uh, it's 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 Freedom Tunes. You've seen and Freedom then Tunes, many right? more. That's one of my favorite things to do is to create video games. Sorry to cut. Yeah, no, time. I think we should make like uh, we should we we want we, we want to open source it and we want to have it so that people can develop their own mods. items and mods and things like that. And there's going to be like items and combos and it's, it's, it's you know gonna I've be got really this vision game. of the future of video games that like when you log into your PlayStation Network or whatever your Tim whatever we want to call it. You have like an avatar, and then when you play a game, anything you do in that game gets you abilities that go back to your account that you can take to other games that you play. I'll stop you right there. I had an idea. Um, I was talking with Nishra about this, I think, where you have a general accomplishments app on your phone with a character that you level up, get new weapons, and you can do mini games or whatever, but you level up the character by 5,000 steps, you earn 100 experience points, you know? There, there, so certain things that you can do and you can track on your phone, like travel five miles, not just even walking, like go out of your house and go drive somewhere, even if it's in your car by yourself for a drive. And then what happens is it tracks it and then your character levels up and it's actually just a personal thing. And that could unlock abilities and items in the video games that are. No, mine that. was mine was it just like, be, how that do you make a amazing. really awesome character you can show yeah. off and generate this little thing? And wow. every day you comp, you get five steps, you know, 5,000 steps, like something happens. Just an idea. All right, we got to read a super chat here. We got Wandering Mage who says, I need to change. I'm leaving behind my old hobbies, video games, MTG, etc. I'm reinventing myself, getting back into reading, studying philosophy, working out, reading my Bible. I think I might try scuba diving. Why not, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I think Magic the Gathering went nuts. The power creep is insane. And it's just a ridiculous game now, which which is a bummer. I guess you need different formats to make the game work better. I, I want to scuba dive off the Malaysian coast, Southeast Asia, where that flood took out the Moo people. Um, apparently, it's just that's that was the ancient culture that rivaled Atlantis. All right, a bunch of super chats come in. William Jaying, Jaying, hey Tim, check out Project Apple Appleseed Rifle Marksmanship Clinics. Two days of instruction along with history of battles of Lexington and Concord. Hey, that's cool. They have Appleseed all over the country. You can go and do a marksmanship course and compare with your buddies all across the country. Right on. There was a big super chat. Where did that one go? Because YouTube jumps and then it skips over all of them. A lot of talk about Star Trek from very smart people. That's right. Meridian Forest says, hey, Tim, Air Force service member here. Getting promoted tomorrow to E4, so I thought I'd share a little bit of my paycheck with you. Love your content. Love what you're doing. Keep up the good work. And tell Ian he's a valued and respected man on the show. Dude, I was Amen. <laughs> congratulations on the promotion, man. And I was going to say that even if you didn't mention my name, but thank you. Amen to that, Ian. Thanks, Jack. I agree. I love, I love when you're people, here. People come to my channel to talk to me about you and I my should, comments. I should come on your show someday. You should. And then we can just have at it with the comments. Oh, finally. <laughs> Let's see. Okay. Just read. I'm trying to... I'm reading through some super chats here. <laughs> Roberto Flores says, Star Trek, the original series, episode, Patterns of Force. They drug and prop up the, the Fuhrer to speak on TV, but he's manipulating, manipulated by the Nazi party to say what they want, like how Biden is propped up. Is that, what is that? Yeah. I haven't, I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of the original series, but I'm a fan of the original series. The Next Generation, I've seen every episode numerous times. Were you big on the first series? I watched them. You know, I'm not that old, bro. But, little, little but, but by the time that, you know, I would come home from school, there'd be a couple reruns on. I I, I've seen a lot of them, I think. 
All right. Troy Dunham says, Tim, Jack, Ian, thank you. This is the discussion we need. You asked where it is. It's here. We love our culture and we're finding it here. Thanks. Tonight's episode is what we can't find anywhere. Tired of hearing about AOC. Right on. That's the other thing, too. It's like I, I, I've tried to make sure that like my references to her have avoided the stupid petty garbage because I definitely played that game before. Now I'm trying to be like, I only want to say nice things about people when I get the opportunity to do it. If they do something dumb, I'll criticize them. But AOC did the thing in taxes with millions of dollars, helped people out. That's rad. Yeah. Deserves credit for that. I don't want to I don't want to just, you know, it goes a long way too. positive reinforcement. That's right. I want all the politicians to go into like a a help the poor off like, you know, Ted Cruz versus AOC. Who can help more poor people and like make their communities better? Aha. That would be great. That would actually be really hilarious. Like Ted Cruz uses standard conservative values to try and improve the lives of the people in his community. AOC uses progressive values. And then we like we give them a score based on how well they've done. Like has employment gone up? And then, you know what I mean? I mean, isn't the basic difference teach a man to fish or give a man to fish? Don't we know? how Hey, that hey, turns hey, out? look. I think if people's lives are improving, let's let's roll with it. You know what I mean? And make it a positive thing. But, you know, well, maybe maybe it won't. Maybe some ideas are bad ideas. We'll see what happens. Teaching a, a man to fish that's not starving is nice. Well, here's the way I put it. They say if you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. If you teach a man to fish, you feed him for the rest of his life, assuming he has a fishing fishing pole. Oh, you've thought so, deep. So my thing is, I'm not going to give a man a fish. I'm going to teach him how to fish, give him a fishing pole, yes. and say, now nah, you're on your own. And show him where the water is. Right. So there's a, there's a, there's a, and there's then a make him drink. And, and then, then make stand him behind him and drink the water. <laughs> All right, here we go. Rachel Knight online says, hi, Tim. As long as we're mixing our metaphors. <laughs> <laughs> hi, Tim. Big fan from El Paso. Beto O'Rourke is the man who did nothing for our district when he was our congressman. Lost in his Senate Senate bid, embarrassingly lost in his presidential bid, and is now looking to run for governor. What are your thoughts? Your federal congressperson does not represent, does not improve your district. They represent your district at the federal government. So if the roads are dirty and everything's all messed up, you got to vote locally. Uh, I also think Beto O'Rourke is not a good politician. You know, I keep, I'm, I want to keep the language light. Right? I, don't, I don't, you know, maybe in private, I'll say some worse things about him and some other individuals. But no, I just, I'm not a fan of Beto. I think... He's duplicitous. You know, he said he wanted to take everyone's guns. Mm, he, he doesn't like really, him. Yeah, he yeah, not a fan. He seemed like an Obama clone. And, and you can he tell. Talks like Obama. What, I'll give him respect for actually being able to stand on a skateboard. Oh. But let me tell you something. Probably a cool dude. Somebody who's been skating most of their life, when you see someone jump on a board, you know if they will be able to actually perform on a skateboard. Beto O'Rourke can stand on a board and ride it. Fine. He gets some respect for that. But I can tell the dude couldn't do a trick to save his own life. There you go. Tim Not Pool a, calling you out. That's right. Beto play can't a game of turn skate. tricks. All right. Trevor Farrell. We'll do a couple more here. He says, hey, you guys are awesome. And listening to Jack is always a treat. Keep your chin up and keep up the good in the uh, keep up the good, the good, the fight. Thank the you. Good fight. Appreciate it. All right. Last one. Mitch Devine says 25 year old army vet here looking at a hundred to 200 acre ranch and taking a dis- distilling class to open my own distillery here in Texas. Right on. What you know what? Distill? Here's what we're going to do. We're, the we're, truth. We're gonna, we're going to talk about politics a little bit, but I want to talk about what everyone is calling the Biden CGI video because I'm going to I'm going to surprise everybody. I'm going to debunk it. Oh, but if you want to watch, we're going to do an extended segment for members only exclusive at TimCast.com. So go over there, become a member, and that'll be up in about 
maybe 45 minutes or more, depending on how long the, the, the special segment goes. But we got a ton of really awesome segments, a whole library of content you can go check out from other people. So everybody, smash that like button before you go. Subscribe, hit the notification bell. You can follow me on all social media platforms at TimCast. My other YouTube channels, youtube.com slash TimCast, youtube.com slash TimCast News. And this show, TimCast IRL, is live Monday through Friday at 8 p.m. So we, we will be back tomorrow. Leave us a good review, smash the like button, give us five stars, all that good stuff, and share it with your friends if you really like it. That's the key. Jack, you want to shout out what you got going on? I do. Come to my YouTube channel, Jack Murphy Live. I've got a show tomorrow at 12 noon with Jesse Kelly. Me and him both over six foot four. That's going to be awesome. And then on Friday, live at noon, I've got uh, Corey DeAngelis, Christopher Rufo, and Carlin. Oh, wow. Carlin B, all-star panel. And uh, coming up after that, we got Michael Anton and Curtis Yarvin coming. So nice. things are really picking up. Jack Murphy Live. Also follow me on Twitter. Actually, everywhere on the internet, Jack Murphy Live. Thank you. Jack Murphy Live. Everywhere. Uh, you guys can follow me at Ian Crossland at iancrossland.net. And I love your comments, so keep them coming. Leave a comment on the video. I like reading the... Uh, You're welcome. I will. I will. I'll leave 20 comments tomorrow. <laughs> just use just sock 12. puppets. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. And I'm Sour Patch Litz over on Twitter and also on Minds. We will see you talking about Biden and CGI and politics at TimCast.com. Thanks for hanging out.